BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Big Sills! Big Show! I like that, right? Angelo Cataldi will be with us at the bottom of this hour. The segment with my friend Tone at 3.30, still waiting if CBS lets our friend out of production, Phil Sims, waiting on that still. So, a lot of folks potentially jumping on with us here. We appreciate you guys coming aboard. You have so many other options. Thank you so much. I want to start it out by doing this, though. Today's the first day you get a chance to qualify for our Hooters. And we so look forward to this each and every single week. We thank you. All you have to do to qualify for your chance to win some gift certificates with our friends at Hooters is to go to show at gmail.com. That means you give us your information. You identify a code word that my friend Tone We'll throw out through the entire four-hour program. Football Monday, we'll announce the winners, and you get an opportunity maybe to get in line to win yourself a grand prize. That'll be at the end of the year, but gift certificates and merchandise. And all you have to do is send us the information, show at gmail.com. First day to start qualifying. That word will be out throughout the entire four-hour show. So we look forward to it. You know, before I get going here with our topics here, um, you know, hey, will you guys do me a favor? Do me a favor. Throw out 21 and 1 for me. 5 and 0. Okay, that's good. Give me a 21 and 1. Give me a 21 and one. Because like you guys say, you can't ignore that, right? 21 and one. You can't ignore it. Right, guys? You really can't ignore that. Then how do people in the NFL ignore 42 and 19? Jalen Hurts is not 22 and one. Okay, he's not. But he's won those amount of games because you guys forgot the first two and five start to his career, which most Philadelphians like to do. They like to always code it, making it look bigger and better than it is, and it's not. 
It's a great run, though, since actually the play calling was taken away from Nick Sirianni. Why do people not look at 42-19 and with Garoppolo and go, that's amazing? How do you ignore that? How do you ignore 42 and 19, but yet you guys acknowledge 22 and 1? How do you acknowledge that? Tell me. How do you acknowledge that? How do you acknowledge that? Keon goes because he sucks ass. See, 42 and 19 to him is horrible. 21 and one to you and a silver medal is fabulous, right? I'm not, I, I, I don't see how you're looking at it that way. Okay. I mean, how do you don't look at what that guy has done in his career at 42 and 19? He doesn't have amazing passing stats and neither does Hertz. I mean, how do you look at, what in the world has he not done? Is it win the big game? Your guy hasn't either. Now, Garoppolo's been in the league longer. I get it. By the way, weren't they both like second-round picks? Was Jimmy G a second-rounder or a third-rounder? I forget what round. I know that the Patriots got a two for him from uh, San Francisco. I don't remember what round he was taking. Stats? 42-19 and is not a stat. It's a one-loss record. That's not a stat. Don't you want... 42 and 19 is not a stat. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's not a stat. Oh, okay. So Garoppolo at 42 and 19 is horrible. And your guy at 22 and one, you acknowledge. Okay. Hey, I don't agree with that. Like Troy Aikman said last night, you can't ignore that. Let me say this to you. You think the Cowboys would rather have Garoppolo or Dak Prescott? You think he'd rather, you think, you think the uh, Dallas Cowboys Do you think the Cowboys would rather have Garoppolo or Dak Prescott? Who would you want if you were on that football team and you were in Dallas right now? It's not, I have said nothing negative here. I'm asking you, why do you look at 42 and 19 as not a good record? But actually, what's Hertz's overall record? Um, 22 and what? 22 and 16? What's his overall record? I mean, what's, because again, two and five, then they went, what, nine and eight? Right? Nine and eight, then 14 and three, right? So he's 23 and 11. Oh no, counting this year, two, five. He's 28 and 11, right? So he's 28 and 11. That's, I think that's the record, right? 28 and 11, 28 and 11. So he's 28 and 11 and Garoppolo's 42 and 19. And you think that's bad? (laughs) 
Interesting how you have a different perspective on people. I agree with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck last night. Yo, dude, you could give me... Hey, so who would you rather be? Kirk Cousins or Garoppolo? Who would you rather be? Guy who wins more? Or a guy who throws for more yards? Or has great stats? Shit, the guy in Baltimore wins more games than Jalen. I'm just asking you how you look at, at these numbers and where they are when at the end of the day, this is all about not winning just regular season ball games. You don't make your legacy in the regular season. You make it in a postseason. That's where your legacy is. Hertz is got so much positive press because of what he did during the regular year to set up that Super Bowl. And it's, it's warranted. I'm not dismissing that. I am not dismissing that, but I'm not going to dismiss 42 and 19 either. He got to a Super Bowl. His Super Bowl was close too. I mean, he's got an NFC title ring, same as Jared Goff does. You know, I mean, and now he's with the Raiders. Tremendous. I mean, how you look at that. You look at a guy that's 28 and 11, and you're like this, man, this guy's great. And you look at a guy who's 42 and 19, and you say he sucks. I thought it was a really interesting comment that Aikman made last night. You just can't dismiss that. You just can't. All right. Angelo Cataldi will be with us at the bottom of the hour. I want to throw this at you here before we get into the topics. And before Angelo comes on, the brotherly shove is becoming truly an identity for the city of Philadelphia. And now the NFL wants to truly try to take that thing away. You're even debating it on different shows now, whether or not it's an illegal play. And I got to say this to you. I never thought that I would ever say this because I really didn't believe it. But now I am believing it. If this was in any other market like Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, If one of the L.A. teams had come up with this, this would be a revolutionary new thing. Okay? There's only two places that this play would be illegal. You know where that would be? New England with Belichick. And, well, if Brady was still in New England, they would still allow it. But now because Brady's not up there and it's just Belichick, it would be considered illegal. Then again... Maybe they would outlaw it, but they didn't when Brady was there. So I'm not thinking when Brady's there. There is no question that because it's in Philly, Jerry Jones has to be crying to the competition committee because I'll tell you what I would be doing right now. If I was the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, you guys you guys just don't have a two-game lead on the Cowboys in the NFC East. You got a 10-year lead on them. You are moving so far ahead. I actually heard Skip Bayless say this, that Jerry Jones is a wizard with the salary cap. I almost threw up. He's the best capologist, that guy said. I'm like, are you crazy? The guy in Philly's the best. Man. They're now trying to outrun... That 49er debacle. Did you hear what 
Micah Parsons said today? Let me show you how the media starts going on the side of the Cowboys and pumping them back up. They're three and two with two horrific. I'll tell you this. The Colts look better than the Dallas Cowboys. That team in Detroit is better than Dallas. They are better. Should Belichick be sorry he let Jimmy G go? Yeah, Brady and Kraft came to um, each other's rescue and sent Garoppolo packing. Belichick had the heir apparent. They made him get rid of it. That's why they're not firing him. Don't you get that? They're not firing Belichick because Belichick could always fire back this. Hey, man, I had the guy. 42 and 19. I had the guy. You made me move him. You made me move him. That's a fact. Here's Parsons today. What's the exact quote? I got to get this quote here. I, it, it, Parsons said this, and I'm going to paraphrase this. He said that we are on the same level as a playoff team with San Francisco. This is after they got their shit pushed in. That's delusional. That is absolutely delusional. Micah Parsons actually thinks he's still as good as San Francisco after they thoroughly dominated them. You live in a land of delusion when you are a member of the Cowboys. You are in a land of delusion when you are a coach for the Cowboys. It's fantasy football to the highest degree when you have that mentality after you get killed. How do you sit there as a coach and justify one of your star players going, we're just as good as San Francisco when you got your shit smacked in? There's right there the lack of accountability. Right there. That guy sniffing airplane glue. There was not one time in that game I didn't think San Francisco was going to kick the shit out of that team. I actually didn't think that game was going to be close. San Francisco and the Eagles are the bullies of the block. With Detroit knocking on the door, not Dallas. Jerry Jones goes on two radio shows a week in Dallas. And he he is going to do everything he can to outlaw that play. Right now, the Eagles are so far ahead as an organization, not just the quarterback. Guys, you don't have just a two-game lead on them. You have a decade lead on them. You do everything right. Let me give you an example of this. Look at what you just did with your defensive tackles. 
hey, it looks like you're right and I'm wrong here with Jordan Davis. His last two drafts, look at what Roseman did by having the foresight to see this. He knows what two years ago when I first started covering you, one guy was making $17 million a year at DT. The other guy was making 12 six. You had $32 million two years ago, wrapped up in Javon Hardgrave and uh, Fletcher Cox, right? 30 million bucks in your two tackles. Do you know what you have right now? 10 years, youth, and 5 million between two guys. It's not just the fact they're playing well. It's the money. Look at the money. Look at the money. You moved off of 20 million. Look at what you saved last year. You moved off a $20 million DT. You got Fletcher to take a pay cut. And now you've got two starting defensive tackles that are in their first and second year making rookie money and playing at Pro Bowl levels. And you're number one against the run. That's called doing it right. That's how you win for extended periods of time. Let me give you another example. People are like this. Well, the Broncos are going to have like the second pick in the draft and they're going to, they can't move off of Russell Wilson. Do you know Russell Wilson's escalators haven't even kicked in yet? They're going to be selling Jerry Judy soon. They're going to be selling pieces of that Bronco team because you know what they're going to be forced to do? They're going to have to trade that number two pick so that they can get multiple rookie picks because they don't have the money. It has destroyed. The Russell Wilson deal destroyed. The Eagles easily could have been the Broncos. Do you understand that? You had a deal in place. If it wasn't for Wilson vetoing it, that's the luck of it. The strategy is what they did with the two tackles. Okay? Dude, you, 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 where, and look at what they did, the Cowboys. They drafted Mozzie Smith, who's a third rounder at best. How do you not get on the field when teams like San Francisco and Arizona run you off it, running the ball, and you're supposed to be a run stopper? What were you looking at? He's not a quick twitch guy. You watch, you watch Jalen Carter. He looks like a sprinter. It's night and day. Then on draft day, by the way, this stuff with Jalen Carter having character issues and all the shit that came up in the combines, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think he had a bad moment. I don't think that kid at all has bad character. I think that was agent talk, other organizations, because they passed on him like Chicago. I don't believe he has bad character. I never heard any of that until they got to the combines. 
That was made up. That kid is ready. He's primed. He's focused. He looks like a great teammate. Everyone likes him. Sorry, I'm not buying that media crap. I don't believe, hey, did he have a bad moment, an awful moment? Someone lost their, absolutely. I do not believe that there is a character issue with Jalen Carter at all. At all. He has not shown one sign of that. There is nothing but a horrific moment in his life. Horrific moment in his life. Hey, moments can shatter lives. I get it. Okay? But look at what how look, look at the insight here. Look at how much money you've cut that D tackle position down from from two years ago. Think of this. You went from $30 million down to the rookie first round salaries for two guys. You basically cut $25 million off of your defensive tackle starting position. I mean, $25 million. Yeah, $25 million. It's incredible. And you're number one against the run. You're number one against the run. Killing it, man. Hey, by the way, I think the Defensive Rookie of the Year award is going to come down between the guy, Devin Witherspoon, and Jalen Carter. Witherspoon's already been named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. I don't believe Carter has had that distinction yet. I think he will get one. He could get it this week for the two sacks against the Rams. But I think it's going to come down between those two guys. It's going to come down to Witherspoon and him when it comes to the defensive rookie of the year. Just no question about it here. The Cowboys are so far behind now. They are so far behind you. Jerry Jones right now has an eagle problem. Think about cutting costs at the linebacker position too. The Eagles that Kaiser White and TJ Walk, Cunningham and Murrow ended up being more productive than we thought. Correct. Especially Morrow. Think about what they've done there with that. There's $14 million that was paid out to those two men annually. Both these guys, if I'm not mistaken, I think combined they make $2.5 million. Jesus. Dude, the money in the NFL has to be part of how you look at team building. It's why it's so difficult to repeat and continue greatness is because you have to constantly be thinking about the salary implications that you have on your football team. There's one, you know, one thing that I get with the MO of the Eagles right now, they're going to spend a ton of money on their D-line and O-line. They're going to spend all their money on the offensive side of the ball, and they're sporadically going to make deals and trades with players they see out there for sure things. The See, Again, this comes down to how the Eagle pay the Eagles pay people. 
Howie Roseman would go like this to guys like James Bradbury. Maybe he's not a $14 million guy, but he's a $14 million talent. And so you know what he does? He pays him eight. Slay's not a $17 million guy anymore. So he pays him 10. Even if he's not playing up to snuff, say the guy's not playing well. You're not getting killed in the cap. Well, he's just not playing well. We'll move on. And that's why you give him the money up front. It's really brilliant thinking. The Cowboys do not think like this. The Cowboys do not think like this. They look at star names. See, Jerry thinks the name on the back of the jersey is so important to the brand, and it's not. You could put anybody in that Dallas Cowboy helmet, and the Cowboys are going to have enormous ratings. That thing with the 49ers got 26.1 million people. Do you really think they give a shit whether Mozzie Smith is playing for the Cowboys or Micah Parsons? Micah Parsons is not a star. He wears the star. That guy is not a star. I have seen. It's infuriating, and I get it now why Eagle fans get pissed off at Dallas. I've been told for two years that Micah Parsons is a star. From week eight to the end of last year, I didn't see that guy but for one sack. In two games that mattered, the shitty Arizona game and the game against San Francisco, he was punked. That's not a star. I'll make this point to you too, dude. Who has been more of a star in two years? Hassan Reddick or Micah Parsons? Who has been more impactful in games that matter? Micah Parsons doesn't close games out. Hassan Reddick closed that Ram game out. Just when the Rams got the ball, could have made it a one-score game with a touchdown, two sacks over. Night. He is a situational big play guy. You pay. Jimmy Johnson used to tell me, I pay for guys that are around the ball in big moments. I don't pay big money for people who have big stats. If you make big plays in big moments, you're an impact player. Once you, hey, you can have 10 sacks. 10 sacks on your resume. And then you look at it and you go, damn, Chandler Jones had 10 sacks and five in one game. What did he do the rest of the year? Nothing. Nothing. How he builds this team. And you know what? He builds this team around the cash register. He runs this thing around the cash register. And you know what he's done too? Decided to keep his talent in the SEC. So he's going, hey, look, I'm going to tell you this. If you draft 10 guys out of the Southeastern Conference, you're going to land on six of them. If I draft 10 guys out of the Pac-12, I'm going to land on four of them. If I draft guys out of the Big Ten, 10 of them, I'm going to land on five of them. You're playing the law averages on where the best players in the country. I'm not going to the ACC. You'll land on three guys from that conference. Wake Forest, Duke. 
me a break. Those aren't great programs. Telling you, man, look at what they have done in Philadelphia with the way that they have moved the money around. Russell Wilson is destroying the Denver Broncos, and that guy was coming to Philly. If it wasn't for him vetoing that deal, Philly'd be in the Broncos position right now. He'd be in the Bronco position. And before I bring Angelo on here, I'm going to say this to you about that Cowboy thing one more time. The Cowboys aren't just two games back in the NFC East. They're 10 years back. That franchise is 10 years back. And that guy, Michael Parsons, that guy is so overrated, he's not Pat Swilling. I saw that guy get killed by the shitty Arizona Cardinals. Who's on that team? I don't Josh Dobbs? Is that the guy, the journey guy that had been going like five or six teams? Holy Maron. You got to be kidding me. Howie has done a great job with the cash register. He really has, man. Amazing job. Cherry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys still think they're good. And you got Jason Kelsey screaming on the sidelines because our red zone sucks because we're two and six. Two for six. That's championship mentality. Still thinking you're better than the 49ers like Michael Parsons today? That's delusional. Let's bring a guy who I love to death. I just absolutely – it was out wine country too, man. I love wine country. Did you go to Silverado out there? (laughs) I got to tell you, uh, they're very, very enthusiastic about vino. (laughs) (laughs) I did did like 30 or 40 wine tastings and they're telling me Dan they're going and this one will taste like chocolate and I didn't taste any chocolate in other words cherries I did taste cherries (laughs) all I knew (laughs) I wanted to see the price tag that's all I cared about (laughs) (laughs) oh Angelo so good man Angelo (laughs) is this team as good as last year you know, you just said something there that it, it was so, it really resonated with you. You're t- saying about Russell, Russell Wilson and him rejecting the, the deal to Philadelphia. Howie Rose was like the toast of the town. You know, they went to the Super Bowl at five and now. There's a lot of luck involved. You know, oh, yeah. Howie wanted Wilson. It would, none of this would have happened. Hurts, God knows what would have happened with Hurts. No one could predict it. You need a little luck too. But at 5-0, and the city is still cautiously optimistic because it hasn't been a 5-0 and like the Niners are putting together. Niners look amazing. And the Eagles have just gotten done what they needed to get done. But it's a, it's a fascinating thing to watch that going on while the Phillies are going on simultaneously in the city because you really start to see the priorities. Are we a football town? Look at the electricity at Citizens Bank Park. Are we a baseball town? Which wins? And I know the answer to that, but I don't want to give it away. (laughs) Because that's coming out in the book, right? Well, no, no. (laughs) The book is loud. It's available now for pre-order at AngeloCatelli.com. But let me just say, um, it'll always be a football town there, no matter what. And, And this is the first year without me doing a show. Yeah, I'm retired now that I really got to figure out what I love more, you know, 
And man, there's just nothing like a Sunday afternoon with football. I just love the NFL. I, I bitch about it all the time, and I'm addicted to it. And the baseball, I'm into it. It's nice. Not the same. Football is, it, it, to me, football is king. Angelo, is it the, I've never seen a city that has some of the most intelligent, some of the over the top, some of the most fanatical, um, some that are constantly pessimistic, optimistic, <laughs> over, I mean, there's such a range and variety of fan that to me, it, it really, it's a matter of winning and where these teams are. Like, look at the Phillies, man. That was a disappointing loss. But you know what? The next time that stadium, it'll be even louder. You're right. Than before. It it's it got to be one of the greatest fan bases of all time. That's a fairly new phenomenon, this, this atmosphere in there now. It started last year. Before that, it was great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they had they won a championship in 08, but not like it's been. The last couple of years, it's moved to a different level. And I can't fully tell you why that is, because you got to realize last August, a year ago, August, Dan, they were getting 25,000 in a 45,000 stadium to see the Phillies play. The only night they got over 30 was when they gave hot dogs away for a dollar, right? <laughs> dollar dog night. In fact, I was working with Al Morgani at our show, and he went, hey, I know how they could get bigger crowds. Just sell the hot dogs for a dollar for the rest of the season. Maybe we'll get more people that way. But then, wow, then they just, the playoffs came, and this new surge of excitement came into it. And um, it's fun to watch. It's going to be so interesting to see because you can't lose a game more gut-wrenchingly than the way they blew the game in Atlanta last night. And um, I think they'll they'll go even bigger. It'll be even stronger because the fans believe they actually have a hand in the outcome of the games. And I don't think most cities – if you saw even out in L.A. last Sunday, there, there were a lot of Eagle fans – 3,000 miles away to see that game. Did you hear what Stafford said? Stafford said that the noise the noise issues in our audibles were an issue because right. the Eagle fans were so loud at so high stadium. Is that crazy? Crazy. I, now, here's the thing. Uh, what I'm thinking is that unlike most fan bases, the Philadelphia sports fans, especially in baseball and football, actually think they can affect the outcome. They believe that if they care loud enough, that's why I named the book Loud, they will actually affect the outcome of a game. Now, I've gone to games and I've never felt I had that power, but the fans really have that opinion right now in this city. And um, it's a pretty cool thing to see in our two biggest sports. I'll say this, though, too. Your shows like yours in, and Howard's, back in the day when you could actually do a radio show and you could actually give your opinion before you had to go into the principal's office nowadays that most people have to do. Um, you gave people voices, Angelo. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm going to get on the show or I'm going to do that. And I think that that also built the passion up because unlike a lot of other sports talk cities that I've worked in, I've never seen anything like it. There's only two hosts or maybe four hosts in that city that moved the needle because I think you could put anybody in those chairs because the fans are so passionate that yeah. they're going to voice their opinions, good or bad. 
get I get more crap every day from the Philly fans, and they come back every day. That's how I yeah, know I'm doing a good job. Yes, Dan, you're really on on point with that. I um I I went into radio with zero experience. I was a writer. I covered the Eagles for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and I still managed to get pretty good ratings from the beginning and then better ratings. And I always believed it was less about me and more about them. That those and what I learned over all those years were feature the callers. It make the make it personal. Eagles Shirley, Arson Ani, Kenny from the 3030. I had all these special people that made contributions to the show and became semi-famous in that role. Our show, what I figured out, it took me a long time. The real stars of the shows in Philadelphia sports are the fans themselves. Yes. They're so loyal. They're so vocal. They're funny. They're spontaneous. And mostly, above all else, they're passionate. I mean, it's really an easier job in Philly than it is in most other cities. See, that's what I do every day. I talk to people that come on my program that are in my my chat box here because you know why I make everything personal with them and I yeah. appreciate everybody coming aboard. And what makes it great is they give me a ton of crap every day, Angelo, but they're back the next day for yeah. four hours with me. So let me, let me, let me get into this Eagle conversation here with you a little bit here. Tell me this, if this team is so close to a Super Bowl, why does the organization have the fear that they would hire somebody like a Jim Schwartz or a Frank Reich or a Doug Peterson where you would have training wheel coordinators for a coach and a, for a coach and Nick Sirianni for a team. If you're this close, yeah. why wouldn't you hire the most experienced? Is this about Howie in control so he totally. can control most of the roster? Vic Fangio was here last year as a consultant. Uh, wouldn't he be a better choice with all of his experience to become the defensive coordinator when Jonathan Gannon left? Absolutely. No, they, it is all about control. And the thing about it is that Sirianni has found a way better than Peterson did of, of letting them get the sense they have that control without alienating them. See, the problem that Peterson had, even after he won a Super Bowl in 17, he started to push back. He wanted to name his own assistants. Even You, you would think after you win a Super Bowl, you would have that power, right? Absolutely. He didn't have it. He didn't have that power. And, and the reason he left is he pushed back. They, Howie Roseman and really Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, they want the final say, the big, any big push that's done in the organization, it has to be uh, provoked by them, not by the coaching staff. So when a guy leaves, they'll bring another guy in with training wheels and they'll go, well, this will work out. And you know what? So far, Sirianni has... Somehow he's navigated a very precarious situation. He's managed to keep them happy and win games. But if it goes south, my experience is it could go south real fast. Frank Reich told me, Angelo, that he said, and he's the guy that recommended him to Jeffries. He told Nick, if you want this job, you can't play in Howie Roseman's sandbox. And if you know that, 
you will always remember what he said to Angelo at the Super Bowl just this year. He goes like this. When I got hired, I had to introduce myself to the majority of the coaches because I didn't even know who they were. So he came in to an already made place and set up for him. All he had to do was go along to get along. So yep. I, 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 I guess that's smart. I wow. guess, I mean, I guess because I still to this day, Angelo, don't know how good a coach he is. No, I'm not sure I do either. Um, but I do know this. Over time, Howie Roseman has proven himself to the city to the extent that if you went out to the fans now and said, you know, Howie's really pulling the strings here, they would say, okay, good. But just that one, one-handed catch A.J. Brown made, um, he made a great trade to get that guy. You know, you see that offensive line? Those are Howie's guys. Those guys are good players. Uh, you look at it and you go, well, he made a lot of good decisions, especially the last couple of years. And they have a terrific team. I, I'm not sure they're the best team. I think the Niners, to me, look better than them this year. But they're still going to be in the hunt. And, uh, you know, if you're even in Philadelphia, Dan, if you're 5-0 and and you're bitching, I'm not, you're kind of not seeing the whole picture. Five and all. It's I know you need some, hey, Angelo, you need some cake bread, man. If you're <laughs> I had it. I went to that one. I went it's to that favorite one. Favorite wine, cake bread merlot. It is. Oh, yeah. I know the whole history of it, and I think I tasted most of their wines last week. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Angelo, do you think Jalen Hurts in his time in Philadelphia will win a Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, I do. And and furthermore, um, I made a decision watching the game Sunday. And, you know, he hasn't been great this year. He wasn't until Sunday. He had a really good game in L.A. Um, he's my all-time favorite Eagles quarterback. Now, understand, I was never a big fan of um, McNabb. Um, Randall Cunningham was a highlight reel guy, but he was real weird, all right? I don't uh, like Foles won a championship, but he was a part-time guy. And Wentz, I can't stand. So it's not that big a feel to beat out. But this guy played that game and won that game. And he made some first down runs that were amazing. He's, he's hit with four yards to go, and he wriggles away and knows right where the marker is and gets the first down. He comes off the field. They're showing the tunnel in the postgame show. And, and here's um, uh, Brandon Graham just over-the-top happy, and and Jordan Mailata is hugging people, and here comes a Jalen Hurts stone face. And you know what he's thinking about. He threw a pick in the corner of the end zone, and, and he's a perfectionist. He never, ever feels, I guess he doesn't show the joy in playing, but his commitment to the game is greater than any athlete I've encountered in 50 years in the media. Wow. It is, it is so focused. His father was a coach. This guy lives to get everything right, to improve every week. He's going to win. I think he might win more than one Super Bowl here. He's a winner. He really is an amazing young man. I'll say this to you about what I'm watching with him. And to me, this is where I come back to the training wheels coach. Angelo, I don't know if you saw it, but early in the in the year, it just seemed that they had him on these predetermined slides. Yeah. They were making him a little apprehensive, right. which may have made him a little apprehensive in the passing game. And I think the training wheels offensive coordinator and him were a step behind him. 
And last week, like you said, it was 17-14 in the third quarter. He breaks that third down, third and 11 run. To me, that breaks a defensive player's back when he's like that. He's almost undefensible. When you got a guy, Angelo, throw the ball for 300 yards and run 70, yep. I you you can't defend that. And here's the other thing, Dan. Those are not those are not great play calls. He's no. making them into effective plays. Now, here's the thing. I'm not ready to tell you that after five games that training wheels uh, offensive coordinator is uh, getting it right yet because the play calling in the red zone has been abysmal. Terrible. It's been really, really bad. And that's what Kelsey was all upset about on the sideline. What are you guys doing? You're taking forever to get the plays in. We're snapping it at one or getting a delay because it's taken so long, and the play calls stink. And that's what he was mad about. You know what? He's right. They got to start to figure that out better because they were a very good red zone team last year with Shane Steichen calling the plays, and they are lousy this year, and they got to get better. Angelo, you were obviously, I think you may have been on the air when Reggie came in from the Birmingham Stallions, or you may have still been at the Inquirer. But when he burst onto the scene, you got to remember something there. He's 24 years old, and he had two years in the USFL, and there were some quality guys in that. So he was kind of like prepped at a high-level place coming into the NFL. Here's a young kid coming in, and I said this. I thought he was going to be a Jerome Brown type. I think this guy's the best defensive tackle or defensive lineman you guys have had since 92. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible what I've seen. Your thoughts on him, Jalen Carter? Massive. He's a, he plays big. He's right in the middle, and he plays big. And I think what Howie Roseman learned, like he's kind of in the process of reassembling the Georgia championship defenses the last two or three years. Go with guys who played against the best competition. And even if there's something in their background that isn't quite right, if you got the right locker room those guys will line up they'll play they'll they'll keep their negative urges in check and that's what's going on they got they got a good culture and so they can take a guy like that and and that guy will not do the crate he will not race his car at 140 miles an hour down the roads and get into all sorts of problems and he's just they have a culture now that can take these kind of players. And I just think number 90 in the middle, you're 100% right. I think he has a chance to be as good as any defensive tackle the Eagles have ever had. And I would like someday to see him dominate the way you see a, a Aaron Donald or somebody like that in his prime. How about this too, Angelo? Back to Howie a little bit. Think about what two years ago you had at the D-tackle position. You had an $18 million guy in Fletcher. You had a 12-6 guy in Hardgrave. Inside of two years, Howie Roseman has replaced those two guys with rookie contracts, 10-year guys who are going to be on that position for the next 10 years, and you're number one against the run compared to where you were the last two years, 22 and 16th a year ago. That right there, look at in the linebacker positions with the money. Kaiser White got seven and a half in Arizona. The guy up in Chicago got another seven. There's 14 million. You're now paying Nicholas Morrow and Zach Cunningham two and a half million dollars between yeah. both of the guys, and you're yeah. getting production out of them. 
this is where this guy is really something with the salary cap. And it's only fairly recent. He made a lot of swings and misses in the last few years. Uh, Jalen Rager? Was do, you think, do you think, Angelo, that he learned more being in the closet when they put him in the closet? And he went on some yeah. sort of retreat with R.C. Slocum, right. the guy who built the Spurs, right? Yeah. And – Maybe he learned how to be more of an organizational guy because R.C. Slocum, the guy who bit the Spurs, was known for that. He just seems better. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you got to understand, if you're doing sports talk in Philadelphia, you have to express cynicism most of the time. <laughs> so when Chip Kelly made his power play and took over the general managership and they literally put Howie in the utility closet across the hall, how he came on after he regained control and he said that he had gone on a global tour and that he had interviewed general managers in all sports. I'm talking soccer, uh, field hockey, who got, uh, anything. He went, and needless to say, I mocked him relentlessly for weeks and weeks. Oh, gee, where's... Oh, I think I think how he's heading to Istanbul. He found him. And then he's talking to the cricket coach. Right. And please keep in mind, all evidence now is that he actually did a really smart thing with that and came back way better than he was first tour of duty. And all the things I said in that period until we started to like Howie again were all pretty damn stupid. And that's why it's good that I finally retired because I must have been losing it by then. Howie was right. Howie is so much smarter now than he was a decade ago, even two decades ago. He's been around that long. But is he, he really too involved? But is he too involved? Well, Isn't there right. a line? Yes, yes. Because yeah. The Super Bowl to me, you lost that Super Bowl because you didn't have good, you didn't have the right coaches Correct. for the right moment. Yet Correct. you're 21 and one. And I keep telling people, yeah, with a silver medal. Yep. I mean, that sounds great and all, but it's a yep. silver medal. And in Philly, when you ask the question, Jeffrey Lurie's 30th year, he's won one Super Bowl. Are you happy or sad? I don't know. <laughs> Very valid. 100% valid. But, you know, this is probably the best team. This is better than the 17 team that won the championship and better than last year's team. With the exception of those those really novice uh, coordinators, they've got most of the other thing. So the question becomes, will Howie ever give back a little of the power to bring in the final ingredients in this, which are more seasoned coaches who can help Sirianni, who I think is doing a fine job, but you need guys that have a little more savvy than the guys he's got. And um, if he can win doing this, then fine. If not, that will be the narrative in a couple of years. In a year or two, it'll be how he got a lot right, but he couldn't give up enough control, and it burned him, and they never won a Super Bowl. So that's going to be the issue over the next three or four years. Angelo, I have to ask you this because I had a conversation with Keith Jones last night, my friend and my oh. dear friend, and John Tortorella, too, who – He's not for everyone, but he's one of my favorite paisans. I really like Torts, the way he handles himself, and he's a fan of us. Um, Ed Snyder used to come on my program all the time when um, the Flyers used to come down to Tampa. They were in that uh, dome. They had like 68,000 fans. 
there's a rule, Angelo, at the arena where the uh, Lightning play that you can't wear opposing teams' gear because Flyer fans would just absolutely inundate the lower bowl. You can't wear that. What happened to the Flyers? Wow. Um, yeah, well, most recently, Ed Snyder died, and with him went the culture. But even previous to that, um, he was too loyal to players and gave them the authority to run his team, and they weren't equipped to do it. And by that specifically, Ron Hextall, not equipped to do it. Paul Holmgren, not really. Was Bobby? Even, even Bob Clark to some degree. Um, but he did it out of a sense of loyalty. What really upset me, you don't realize you upset me because you just said that Ed Snyder was a regular on your show. Yeah. Ed Snyder was an owner in my city. He came on my show one time. What? The he first would come year. on every, every time they were down there. And we had Al Morgani and Keith Jones who knew him very well, but he hated me so much that he wouldn't come on. Here's a great story. Here's something you'll use, a trivia of the future. So Ed Snyder buys WIP, right? Long time ago, like 30 years ago. And he's our boss. Now, to his credit, we said some outrageous stuff. He never intruded. But when people would ask him about WIP, he would call us his Frankenstein monster, that he couldn't control us, and he he was embarrassed by the product, et cetera, et cetera. So um, we're all going, what the hell's going to happen here? What's he going to do? Ed Snyder traded WIP for Eric Lindros. True <laughs> story. What? True story. All right. Now, there's other people about. It wasn't just us. But when the deal came to fruition, right, it was a package of players, Mike Ricci, a whole bunch of players. Yeah. And 15. Toronto, right? Toronto. Right, yeah. All, yeah right. Toronto. And $15 million. At the very same time, he sold WIP to CBS Radio. You know how much for? $15 million. $15 million. We were the money in the Eric Lindros deal. <laughs> Holy cow. It's a fact. It's a true fact. But all those years, he never came out our show because we were his Frankenstein monster. And I guess I, you know, I kind of look a little bit like Frankenstein. He probably, <laughs> he probably is referring specifically to me because I was uh, highly opinionated. <laughs> How, what do you make of Josh Harris owning and what he's doing? I don't. I am. I am no fan of Josh. Obviously, I'm a Sixers fan, but I am no fan of Josh Harris. I think he's uh, he's a head fund guy. He's a businessman. He only does what is best for his bottom line. And I don't think he'll win here with the Sixers. I don't think he'll win in Washington with Commanders, and I don't think he'll win in New Jersey with the Doubles because that his number one priority is not winning. It's making money. Jeez, man. I mean, I see him in the booth and he's cheering and he's got him beat in there and I'm going like this. So wait a minute. One hand, he's got a team that's a division rival. And now he's telling, hey, we're going to build a new stadium. He wants a new stadium and take it out of that dump in yeah. Landover because they should have worked with the government with J or with RFK, but they didn't see it. They ruined the fan base there. And now he wants to build them. We've talked about that arena downtown, which he's not going to get. Barkley goes like this. He'll never get that. I hope he, I hope he doesn't. If he does, 
he's going to have an even harder time being an owner in the town because a lot of people really hate it. When they get trapped in traffic for hours inside Center City, um, he's not going to be popular. So, yeah, he his best scenario here is that he stays at the sports complex and doesn't get a new arena in the city. Won't work out well for him at all. couple last questions for you here. Are you enjoying not being – I would say this. Here, as being a former morning guy for 23 years, that I didn't like living like a vampire, but I did like the fact that, you know, I, I could get – 80% of my show done the night before I went to bed. I got kind of the idea of the format, what we were going to kind of hit on. But I had to go to bed like a two-year-old every single night. I kind of hated that. Um, I had the rest of my day. But, I mean, I don't know, man. Being a morning guy is a lot harder than people think it is. Are you enjoying it now or do you miss it? What's your – where are you now with this? All right, let me – before I – I'm going to need a drink here. Hold on. <laughs> Dan, this is, uh, I don't know if you know, this is a brand new Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, <laughs> I, I brought back so much wine, I put it in my water thing. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, uh, I, I actually am very, very comfortable in retirement. I just started just at the very tip of the book tour. I did a book fair at Collingswood, New Jersey over the weekend. And um, the book is occupying a lot of my time. Next year at this time, I don't know, I may be just twiddling my thumbs, but I have no urge whatsoever to get in front of a microphone and do a show again. Because I'm watching these games now as a fan again, the way I did when I was much, much younger. And it's it's fun. I like it. And I just spend all day. I watch a lot of sports and, and uh, other TV stuff. And I read a lot. And um, right now I'm, I'm enjoying it. I feel more relaxed than I have in a long time. I'm leaving the job now to young studs like Dan Select. <laughs> Angela, wait. Did the business run you out of the business? And what mm -hmm. I mean by this is, see, I found myself in this position on radio. I'm, I'm sick and tired of being in front of the – maybe this is more for me and not all you out here, but I felt like this, Angelo. I don't want to be – you know, social media can paint you any way they want to paint you, and 99% of the stuff is not true. Yeah, because most people don't really know who we are. However, having to answer on a goof or on a you know, on a on a bit or whatever, and constantly answering to people because now teams have more say. I just found myself not being able. I was hired one time, Angelo, like this. I had 14 shares in the morning. I get hired to this new place. I have a new idea. We got a new bid here. We're going to put this benchmark in. We're going to do this. And I'm going like, why'd you hire me then? Yeah. I go, it just, it just seemed to me that the business is gone and it's not what it used to be when you really had talented people behind the mic. I mean, maybe I'm rambling here. No, no. I, I think Dan, it did not run me out. I, I thought it might. There were many times when I got pushed back when I gave strong opinion. But I was fortunate in that I got grandfathered because when I started 1990 full time, um, I was expressing very strong opinions with not a lot of feedback, not a lot of negative feedback from the owners and the, the players and that kind of stuff. And as it developed, well, he's already here. What are you going to do? We'll wait for him to leave. You know, well, I <laughs> around for 33 years. I don't know how you survived Tom Bigby. I just. <laughs> I, well, again, I, you know how I did it? 
every day I did what you do every day. And I came in and I just expressed my opinion in as entertaining as way as I could. And I, I held, I took no prisoners. I pulled no punches. I gave my opinion as strongly as I could every day. And I was able to do that for that long a period of time. If I was getting into it today, I don't know. For all the reasons you said, for the social media, for the involvement of the team so much more in our opinions and all the extra pressure. But I was able to say it and do it the way I wanted to for 33 years. And I got no regrets for that. I left because I'm unbelievably old. <laughs> I still look great, but that's because of all the wine I've been drinking. <laughs> Hey, Angelo, I'll just leave you with this. I said something about the general manager and Bob Lane called my boss and text me, called me and wanted to know what I'm going like this. I'm like, hey, man, I'm not looking for a key fob at Novacare. You don't. You, you, you. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> I went like nice. this. I go like this to the guy. I go, I, hey, Bob, just so you know, I know you from San Francisco. I don't I don't work for key fobs. I don't want the team meal. I don't care. Okay. Dan, <laughs> we need a lot more of you in our business. We do. You got to fight back. If you don't, if you trade in your opinion for access to a team or to ingratiate yourself, you're not doing your job anymore. Give us your opinion every damn day. And I know you do. We need a lot of you. We need a whole bunch of you. Well, you can go back to your wine drinking. Cake bread Merlot. Now I know what to get you for your birthday. Yeah. Oh, you know, for Christmas. Now I know because I have a guy at the Cake Bread Merlot place, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get you a case of that stuff. He get, he sends me like a couple cases. Believe me, all I have to do is pay for the mail. I'm gonna send I'm gonna send you one for Christmas. Oh, I thought you were to get me a liver transplant. So <laughs> <booze> I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, th hey, Angelo, thank you so much for your valuable time. I so Anytime. appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Dan, great talking to you again. Take care, my friend. You bet. The great Angelo Cataldi. Nothing like a guy like that. I completely love talking with him. Hey, we're going to talk to our friend Tone. We're going to go from one legend to another legend at the second hour of the program. How you, how's that for you there at 3.30 Eastern time? Hey, don't forget our great friends at Hooters. I tell you this, guys, all the time. This is the place you have to go, the official sponsor of the National Football Show. That is our friends at Hooters, northeasthooters.com. Find one of the seven locations nearest to you for you to be able to experience what I've been talking about for 40 years. You don't want to go into any one of the places, hooters2go.com. Get the food. The iconic Hooter girls will take it right to your car. You'll be able to go home to your own casa and have the great Hooters food. If you want to do this too, go into any one of the places. Buy 10 wings, get 10 boneless free. Wing Wednesdays, 1983, all you can eat. Kids eat for free on Saturdays. NortheastHooters.com. That's NortheastHooters.com. Find one of the seven locations nearest you and do me a favor. When you go in, you tell them Big Sill sent you.
Ball and Hooters, the perfect pair. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore Have a ball once more Here, imaginations run wild And time stands still Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore All on one five-mile island So leave the old you behind And get lost in the woods Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. hit our topics yet thank you to angelo cataldi for coming aboard with us the segment with my guy tone at 3 30 eastern we'll hit around some things that we're going to hit up here right now let me ask you something here um this is just an observation but you tell me if you saw what you saw on sunday if you watch the eagles play Versus the other four games. Tell me if this was something that was significant. When the Eagles got Dallas Goddard going in the offense, didn't it seem like last year? Wasn't there more of a chemistry and a flow? Pacing? Rhythm? Wasn't there more of a rhythm? Once he got established, you know, if you think about it, the first two guys that were established really in that Rams game was Swift and, and Goddard. It just seemed, and it looked different. 
it just looked and felt different. It looked like last year. You were like this. Holy shit. It clicked. We'll see if it clicks against that very talented Jets team. But it just looked like it clicked. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like if Goddard is going, the Eagles are unstoppable. And it, it just... It was something, if you go back and you watch that game, you're like, man, it just looked like 2022. And, you know, to appease guys for numbers, the one thing that I would never compare the Eagles and Cowboys to was that guys having to get their numbers. You know, I know Goddard kind of bitched. AJ bitched. Devontae, I don't, I think he just, you know, I don't know. I'm going to see if he happens again because he wasn't really instrumental in that Rams game whatsoever. Hey, look, here, always remember this about a guy like Devontae Smith. Do you think Devontae Smith with no catches and three targets is still a factor in a ball game? Do you guys still think he's still a factor? If... Devontae has three targets, no catches, one catch, six yards. Is he still a factor? Damn right he is. You still got to defend him. You just can't go, well, they're not going to him. Because they will. You don't let it Too much talent. Too much talent. So if you see a guy, and, and I, I know he knows that. That's why you don't worry about a guy like Devontae. Because he knows that. He knows, he knows, hey man, whether I get one catch or 11, you got to defend me. But when you get Dallas Goddard going, man, that team looks like it did a year ago. It really does. You know, if you really think about it, Dallas Goddard might be the most important player, non-quarterback, in the offense for the Eagles. Would that be a fair comment? He might be the most important. Do you think he's the most important offensive player outside of Hurts? He's the most impactful player, don't you think? Where are you right now in the NFL in run de- in run offense? He's part of that. Look what happens when you get him the ball. Yeah, but Philly, this guy does more. He's part of the top running attack in the NFL. And he's also part of the offensive passing game. How's he not the more important player? Now, Swift runs the ball. You're right. By the way, I wrote these numbers down. Jalen Hurts right now is on pace for forty-two, ninety, and seven hundred rushing yards. That's five thousand total yards from scrimmage. If this trend continues, better teams coming up, less opportunity. We'll see. Okay. 
He's on pace right now. Now, again, you haven't played a winning team. I'm not using that as any kind of barometer. Better teams mean it's not that he's not going to play well in them. Better teams mean you're not going to have as many opportunities. Don't you understand? The Bills are going to have a couple drives on you, more so than the Vikings are or the Bucks' offense. Or New England's offense. They're going to have more drive. Kansas City's going to have more drives on you. Because there's better quarterbacks. It's not that Hurts will play any less or worse. I'm not saying that. You'll have less opportunity. That's all. It's not a rip. 700 rushing yards in 4290? I mean, I don't know how you don't look at that and go, well, if that guy ends up with those numbers at the end of the year, you better show me a better performance out there for somebody else winning the most valuable player award. 700 rushing yards and you're 14 and three, whatever the record will be. How about Swift? Swift is on pace for 1415 right now and 255 yards through the air. This guy's on pace for 1,700 total yards from scrimmage. Shit. You got 1,700 yards from that dude? He'll have a gold mine offseason. He'll be one of the highest and most pursued free agents um, in the offseason because everybody wants a Christian McCaffrey. Well, there he is. That's McCaffrey kind of shit. And those those passing numbers will probably go up and the rushing numbers will probably come down. So you could see him around 400 receiving yards and 1,200 rushing yards. I mean, he's going to be somewhere in that 15 to 17. I'm going to get to him here in a minute. Now, how about this one? Devontae's on pace for 986. That's a regression. Or is it? Because AJ's on pace for 1836. Okay? So Devontae comes back to the pack. All the targets and all the numbers are going to AJ right now. Now, could that change? Well, we saw it change a little bit in the Ram game. Right? So here's the topic. Are the Eagles overusing DeAndre Swift? Let me give you some history on him. Yards per game, or I should say carries per game by season. 2020, he carried the ball 8.8 carries a game. 2021, 11.6 carries per game. 2022, 7.1. And in 2023, he's averaging double what he did a year ago. And pretty much outside of 2021, his production and carries is doubled. Can he hold up? 
Is it a concern for the Eagles? Because you really don't have anybody else. Kenny Gainwell is not DeAndre Swift. I think we all recognize that. Are they using him too much too soon? Do you have to kind of put him on a pitch count? Like, if I'm in a ball game, and, and by the way, here's something the Eagles don't have. He's not a red zone back. I think Howie needs a red zone back. You don't have one. And Penny was supposed to be, but for whatever reason, they're not using him. You're two for six in red zone. And you, the reason you don't is because Swift's not a red zone back. Penny is, then why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? Utilize Penny? I don't know why they're not. Wouldn't you say that this team is in need of a red zone running back? He's putting up all these great yards. His carries are increasing. Don't you look at this and say, well, right? When Gainwell was injured, he scored in the red zone. The Eagles just take him out because they're trying to preserve him, Cody. Cody, they're trying to preserve him. There's more punishment in the red zone. DB, Rashad Penny is in his like fifth or sixth year. He'll never improve in his pass blocking. It's not something he does. If you haven't figured it out in six years, you're never going to figure it out. J-Rock says Swift can't play the whole game. Okay, so then you're going to start putting him on a pitch count. Is that, are they, is that a worry for the offense? Could they afford to lose him? Do you know who the guy is with the second most carries on the Eagles? I believe, Tone, if I'm, I think if I saw it right, I think Penny, I mean, um, Swift is up in the 70s. And carries. And I think the next guy's hurts at 55. Seals, did I hear this right? The Eagles only activate somebody off the practice squad two more times. If so, what are we going to do with Roby? Um, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that rule. I thought you could take numerous guys off that roster. I didn't know that there was um, a limit on that roster. What's the point of having them there if you can't use them? Alexander says use them situationally. Yeah, but when you do that, Alexander, don't you take him out of the rhythm of the game? That Rams game, I'm, I'm going to say it one more time to you. That Rams game was a well-called football game because Goddard and Swift were involved and established first. Everything came second. Jalen being able to get out in the perimeter. Um, AJ being open. Hey, by the way, I'll say this too. I'd like to see when it comes to throwing the ball down the field and it's third and say 10, why don't you give A.J. Brown an opportunity to go up and get some of them? See what happens. 
Are you that afraid of turnovers? That on third down and say they recover an interception on the 20, the other 20, that when it, I think that I think AJ Brown could go up and get at least 60% of those jump ball opportunities. He's a complete physical mismatch. I'd like to see the Eagles throw that thing down and take some chances on that thing. I get you don't want to turn the ball over. I totally understand that. But it's no harm, no foul on third down. It's like a punt. If you throw a deep pass and the opposing team gets an interception on their own 19, I'm all right with that. Why wouldn't you be? You're, you're, you're giving your wide receiver an opportunity to use something that he has versus the majority of the defensive backs. That is his size. Use, use more of his size. Correct. Swift has 76 carries. Hertz has 55. Swift, Swift is on pace for 258 carries and 1476. Correct. 51 receptions. 51 receptions. That guy's going to make a killing in the offseason. He is going to make a killing. So he's going to touch the ball 300 times. You think he survives that? These takes are bad. Swift is a red zone back. No, he's not. If he was, they'd be scoring, Mo. Warrior go. Get, get this. Warrior goes, these are bad takes, even though you suck in the red zone. And he's your feature back. Okay. Christian McCaffrey have an injury. I would put, hey, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm totally concerned with Christian McCaffrey. Getting injured. There's more of a history of him being out length of your time. You're damn right I'm concerned about that. I don't need Christian McCaffrey playing great ball in September. I need him playing great ball and healthy in January. So you see what that guy warrior, that guy warrior goes like this. This is a bad take and yet you're two for six in the red zone and your feature back doesn't score enough. Okay. What's the bad take? that you can't score in the red zone or that Swift is in a red zone back. Help me out here. Help me out here on that one. Then what's the problem, Hertz? You're the second best rushing attack in the NFL. Get this. What that guy Warrior just said. You're the second best running attack in the NFL. Tone, what are they in points? Third, fourth in points, and you're you're two for six, and you're down in the twenties in red zone. You're right. It's not your offense. Who is it? Swift is a red zone back. Prove it. Prove it. You haven't yet. If Swift was a red zone back, why did the Lions? Sit him and use Jamal Williams, who actually led the Lions in rush TDs in 17, with 17 in 2022. Because exactly what you and I know, and Warrior doesn't know, is that Swift is not a red zone back. The Lions forever used other people in the red zone. Only he didn't know that. Okay. Bro just paid $5. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Peter, 
hold on. Warrior is a man I love on this program. I no no he hey, none of he gets it. Warrior gets it. Right, Warrior? You get it. It's all good. I'm not right all the time. Okay. Both sides, both sides of your mouth sills last week. The coaches were dumb for not playing Swift week one. Now they don't use him in the red zone, but it's Swift. Not sure what that means. I have no idea what that means. I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. No, your coaches were coaching out of both sides of their mouth. One week Swift was in, one week he wasn't. One week he's in the red zone, one week he's not. Which is it? I'm only commenting on what I'm seeing. And if your inconsistent play calling is making it come off like I'm giving you one look one week and another another week, that's because that's the way your play calling has been. There was no Goddard. There was no Swift in your passing game. Last week there was. First week there wasn't. Four games of Goddard. There wasn't. Tell me who's being inconsistent, me or the play calling. Figure we, it's he, So if I'm being inconsistent, I'm being inconsistent because your play calling has been. That's the first game Goddard got going. Okay. Red zone back. Hold on for a second. If the, again, they got rid of him in Detroit because they didn't believe he was durable. Yes or no? Yes or no? Did they get rid of DeAndre Swift because they did not think he was durable or reliable? Yes or no? And they didn't they trade for Montgomery, which um, didn't they get Montgomery? I mean, he probably was a free agent. Montgomery, the kid from Chicago. Isn't Montgomery there? And the kid they drafted out of Bama. So they completely went in a completely different direction because they didn't rely and they couldn't rely on him. So when you're asking me for a guy who's on pace for 206, get this. DeAndre Swift is on pace for more work than he's ever had so far. Is he durable enough? 258 carries, 51 passing. He's going to touch the ball 300 times, and he's never in his career had the ball that many times. They traded Swift and followed up with a first-round pick and signing a running back in free agency. The kid Montgomery from Chicago is pretty good. Tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, I know. And yet, you got people in here trying to convince people with false narratives that DeAndre Swift's some red zone back when he's never been in his entire NFL career. His entire NFL career. And Eagles know that too. I mean, hey, how can you be the set? How can you have the fourth scoring offense in the NFL, the second 
rushing attack in the NFL and suck in the red zone. How? The most effective back you have in the red zone? Here, let me give them to you. It's Jalen Hurts. He's got four touchdowns. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that leads the running back core, doesn't it, Tone? Or he's got to be maybe tied with Swift? Jalen Hurts almost has as many rushing touchdowns as he does passing touchdowns. He's got six TD passes and four rushing touchdowns. Hertz has four rushing touchdowns. Swift has two. Sue goes stats. No, it's trends on how and who they use in the red zone. They use Hertz more in the red zone. Seals, I feel like the Lions misuse Swift in Detroit. At the same time, I agree that he's not a red zone back. How we should try to make a move there. And by the way, to get a red zone guy, I would have loved to have had Kareem Hunt. That's a perfect gig for him. You need a LeGarrette Blunt type guy. And to me, you had a LeGarrette Blunt type guy. Do you know what you're doing right now? You're killing teams from 20 to 20. But once you get into the 20, into the red zone, you're kicking field goals. Rashad Penny, you guys keep telling me when. My top 10 NFL teams and quarterbacks. We're going to do that here in a second here. Let's bring my friend Tone in for the segment. Get his Tone, do you think they're overusing DeAndre Swift? Uh, no, um, I don't think so. Um, I understand what he's on pace for, but he's not going to have that many carries. Uh, you know, when it's all said and done, I really, I really don't believe that. Um, look, at the end of the day, they had this guy on the rental. He's not going to be here beyond this year. The way I see it, use him. You know what I mean? And he, he, he makes this offense that much more uh, dynamic. We saw what this offense looked like against the Rams. I firmly believe when you have Dallas Goddard going, when you have guys like uh, DeAndre Swift going, it makes the team that much more harder to defend. So I'm not here trying to put DeAndre Swift on a pitch count. I'm not worried about that. And besides, let's be totally honest. Those kind of conversations are reserved from Monday through Saturday. Once the game starts, I could give a damn how many carries he has as long as he's moving forward. How about this? Would you be interested in bringing a guy like a Leonard Fournette in to run the ball in the red zone? and have maybe a better pass-blocking running back back there because obviously there's an issue with Penny and the trust level with the coaches. He probably wouldn't be very expensive. He's been sitting on the pine right now. He's got playoff experience. He's mm-hmm. not exceptionally old, and he's kind of a little bit of a dual-threat guy himself. He caught 77 passes before Tone when he was in Jacksonville. Right. Um, he's won a Super Bowl. Would that be something that you might want to at least kick the tires on and look at? Yeah, absolutely. I've always been of the mindset of we need to replicate uh, a similar running back core like the one we had during our Super Bowl year. Um, let's really think about the way it looked in 2017. You had LeGarrette Blount, the power back. Uh, then you had uh, Jay Ajayi, who was the elusive back, the one cut back. And then you had uh, Corey Clement, who was the um, uh, the pass catching back. You pretty much had a three-headed monster back there, guys pretty much doing different duties. And I, and I pretty much feel like they need to replicate something like that. Um, I thought that's why they brought in a guy like Rashad Penny, but clearly he hasn't been able to get on the field and they don't trust him in pass protection. So 
I wouldn't be opposed to bringing in Leonard Fournette. Um, I feel like Leonard Fournette actually doesn't get enough respect. I feel like he's been a productive running back throughout his entire career. Um, battled injury here and there, but for the most part, I feel like Leonard Fournette has always been a running back that you can, for the most part, uh, rely on. So I would not be opposed to uh, the Eagles um, reaching out to Leonard Fournette to have him come in and be that, um, you know, that rotational piece behind Swift, especially in the red zone. That'll take some pressure off Jalen Hurts. The only thing that Bruce Arians told me in a negative light of playoff Lenny is the fact that you got to keep an eye on his weight. Mm. Just got to keep an eye on his weight. However, he's a great teammate, works hard, doesn't take plays off. It's not anything like that, but he's kind of a little bit like Bettis in a way where, you know, his weight can get away from You know what I mean? His weight can get away from him a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And like okay. he's he's a guy, like he'll he'll go to like McDonald's. He's not a guy <laughs> who's going to sit down like at LeBron's, like. Like a uh, train table, you know what I mean? Where there's like oh, these man. prepared meals. This this guy's a happy meal guy. <laughs> oh so man. That kind of reminds hey, that kind of reminds me of the Lane Johnson thing, right? It's but it's the opposite. Lane Johnson has to actually fight to keep weight on because he's naturally a smaller guy. Uh playoff Lenny, he has to fight to keep the weight off. <laughs> Dude, to, hey, just stay away from the happy meals, man. We'll be good. Don't worry. I'll get you the prize if you want. We'll mail it to the Novacare Center. <laughs> did you agree with me with what I said with Goddard? Why did it look like when Goddard was involved in the game that I just went like this? Holy shit, this thing looks like 2022 now. And it was the first time that they got him involved. But, Tone, it was the first time it looked like last year. To me, establishing him looks like it establishes Jalen in the passing game, and it just makes you have to I, – I get the guy who who was at the casualty of this, and that was Devontae. And, but, but the offense looked better, which means Devontae's going to get his like he did later in the season yeah. last year. I mean, am I right when I say that? Um, I would actually have to agree with you. Here's my thing, right, about Devontae Smith really, really quickly before I jump on the Dallas Goddard part of it. Dallas Goddard didn't take Devontae Smith's targets. DeAndre Swift, the underswift took took Devontae Smith's target. So, um, you know, you know the narrative that you know if you feed Dallas Goddard, or or if you focus on Dallas Goddard and AJ Brown, Devontae Smith's going to be a casualty. Let's you know let's keep let's let's keep it in perspective. All those guys got their targets just fine last year. So I don't understand why it should be a problem this year. The only difference is the Eagles weren't throwing the ball to the running backs last year. That's why, that's why Goddard was able to get his numbers. Smith was able to get his and AJ was able to get his. So when you put it, when you, when you approach it from that side of it, you know, the Eagles are trying to expand what their offense does. They want to get running backs involved. They want to, they want to do all of that. Right. But as far as Dallas, as far as Dallas Goddard goes, I'm a firm believer that if Dallas Goddard is going, the Eagles offense is literally unstoppable. We, we saw literally what happens when Dallas Goddard, when Dallas Goddard touches the rock. He is aiming for the end zone every single time. 50-yard catch, 20-yard catch, 15-yard catch. He was an unstoppable force on Sunday. And you saw what it did. You saw what it did for AJ Brown, right? It opened up the entire middle of the field for him. It opened up the because what's going to happen is a guy like Dallas Goddard, because he's closer to the middle of the field, you're going to have to kind of bring those guys in more. You're going to have to kind of focus on them. And let's be totally honest about this. Dallas Goddard is the kind of guy where it's though, well, look at it like this. He's He's too elusive. He's too he he he's too fast for tight. He's he's too fast for linebackers. He's too big and too strong for DBs. 
He is literally an unstoppable weapon. We saw with our own eyes. Get Dallas got at the ball. Everything else will work. We saw that literally you had three players with over 100 yards from scrimmage in Sunday's game. Jaron Jill Swift had 100 yards. A.J. Brown had over 100 yards. Dallas Goddard had over 100 yards. It's possible to get these guys to rock. Play calling just has to follow suit. The Jets game, though, um, mm-hmm. really good defense, really good play calling head coach. Zach Wilson, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I, I do I do I is he the worst quarterback that you would have played so far this year? Yes. He's oh, man. Me. Oh, man. I mean, that's, that's a that's a good question. The worst quarterback we've played. He's going to be the worst they played so far here. So, man, which means this. Do you bring pressure on him? Oh, absolutely. Sit back, or do you wait for him to make the casualty mistake if you're Sean Desai? For me, if I'm defending this guy, Tone, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not bringing pressure right, right away. I may bring some disguise pressures on him and some blitzes on him, but that's not Matthew Stafford back there. Mm-hmm. To me, I'm just gonna wait for him to make mistakes because he's going to make them. Yeah, I look at it like this, right? The New York Jets are going to be without their starting right guard in Elijah Vera Tucker. He's out for the season. He's on IR. He's done. On well, I think that, that front four can get home then. On top of that, they have the right tackle on Makai Becton, who, in my opinion, has been a complete disappointment. Um, and on top of that, he he can't seem to stay healthy. The last, the last game they played, he was in and out of the game because he just couldn't stay on the field. So when you look at it from that perspective, um, the, the, the Jets had offensive line issues before these guys even got hurt. Right. They were already into question. So when you look at it from that perspective, I look at this as a game where, look, you don't you don't you shouldn't even have to blitz this game. Honestly, no. you really shouldn't. Your front look at four, Dalvin Cook's numbers. He can't get going because that line so bad. He can't like, you know, the fact that Brees Hall is able to do anything is, 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 is a is a shocker at that. But again, you have an offensive line. This is a game where your defensive line should have at minimum five sacks. I, I, I believe this is the I believe this is a game where Jalen Carter is going to abuse whoever's in front of him. Hassan Reddick should have two sacks. Like like this should be one of those games where you shouldn't have to blitz at all because your front four is dominating. Zach Wilson's not even going to be able to complete a pass over ten yards because the defensive line is coming at him that fast. What are the what are the 49ers doing better than the Eagles right now? Executing, executing consistently, consistently consistently executing it's it, it's really that simple you you brought us something earlier right how are you top five in scoring but you suck in the red zone so when you think about it from that perspective the eagles somehow some way while being trash in the red zone they're still scoring imagine if they figure it out so that's i think that's the stark difference between the 49ers and the eagles right now it's not talent because no. you can you can argue you, you you can argue who has more talent. I they're, think they're more talented 49ers you know I mean? on defense. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. Um offensively though, you can no. you can you pick your poison, right? So yeah. um some people like cookies and cream ice cream, some people like chocolate, you know. So uh, pick your poison with that. Um, but when it comes to the 49ers, the stark difference that I see, it's not talent, it's strictly execution. Strictly. If the Eagles executed consistently especially in the red zone, but if they, ex- if they execute it consistently the way the 49ers do, I don't, you know, I don't think, you know, I think it'd be pretty hard to say who's the best team because, you know, I, I understand they're more talented on defense. There's no big debate about that, especially, um, 
especially uh, you know, with the linebackers. Like, but this, got thing, for, for could look, this thing could look completely different in January for Philly. Absolutely, okay? absolutely. It could look it could look completely different. Right. Because look, you know, at the end of the day, right, you have a new offensive coordinator. There's still a feeling out process with this thing. You have to figure like I we saw what it could potentially look like when things are working, right? You know, when with Dallas Guy or all those guys. We saw what it potentially could look like. I think I, I think they have another gear. I think they have another level that they can access. I said something about the Cowboys earlier. Um, and it 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 drove me crazy because I see why you guys hate that team. Hate on the passion. And I see why, because of the rhetoric, the owners on twice a week, you got Micah Parsons going, I think we're just as good as the 49ers. This is in the locker room today. After they got killed, they're in a land of the tone. I said it to start the program off. The Eagles don't have a two-game lead on Dallas. They have a 10-year lead on Dallas. The way they do business, the way they draft. I gave you the example of how Howie, in two years, has gone from $30 million in defensive tackles down to rookie contracts and 10 years of youth in their two DTs. And you're first in the rush defensive category. The, The Dallas Cowboys draft Mozzie Smith, and they're constantly... They're constantly getting rid of players because they can't afford them on their cap. And to me, they're just constantly moving us. The Cowboys look to me like they're a, they're a worse team than a year ago. I mean, yeah. they don't look bad. You're getting beat by Arizona. I don't think last year's team would have got beat by Arizona. This team got killed by Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they got punched in the face. Um, you know, when it comes to the Cowboys, you know, I want to you know, read something to you real quick. You know, Michael Parsons has this podcast that he does every week. And, you know, he's seeing he, he spoke about that 4210 loss. And, you know, uh, George Kittle had a shirt under his jersey that said, you know, F Dallas, right? And, uh, you know, Micah spoke on it and said, well, you know, you know, laugh now, cry later. You know, we got something for that. You know, if we, you know, if, you know, if we see him again, we got, if we see him again, we got something for that, right? So Debo said 42 to 10. I don't think you want to see us again. It might be a little bit worse. So my point is, right, they're, they're, this is my problem with the Dallas Cowboys and everything that they are. This is my problem with the air that they breathe. This is my problem with the pot they piss on. This is the problem with the plate they eat off of. I hate everything about them. You guys, they got guys over there talking crazy, and they got their face smashed in. That wouldn't be happening in Philly. The fan base wouldn't even allow it. You had Jason Kelsey bitching. You're 5-0 and because you're 2-for-6 in the red zone. Because he's knowing what's coming up with all these good quarterbacks and such. And they're complaining. The players in Dallas are complaining. And get this. The players in Dallas are cheering and for their own are, team after getting that's killed. That's why they're a joke. They are a joke because they have no identity. CeeDee Lamb was asked about the offensive identity. He said, what identity? I don't, you know, like, they're, it took one game. It, it took one loss like that for them to turn on each other. They started feasting on each other. The Cowboys are a joke. The fan base is a joke. Everything that they believe in is a joke. The fact that they're still considered to be America's team is a joke. They will always, in my opinion, be a blight on the NFL because they think they're better than what they really are. And on top of that, they get all this attention, all this notoriety when they have not produced in over 25 years. I can, I will never understand the math, but I'll tell you this, though. Like you said earlier, the Philadelphia Eagles, they know how to handle business. They know how to establish culture. 
they know how to hold people accountable. In Dallas, you know what happens? Jerry just says, you know what? Don't worry about it, man. I'm going to make sure your check clears because I like you. I like you and I love you. Like, yeah, okay. They're, they're, by the way, I, I think the Chargers are beating them. I think the Chargers beat them too. I think the Chargers catches a wounded animal. I, I, I really think that's what's going to happen. They're still talking about the ass kicking today. Um, you're supposed to move on from that to your next opponent because win or lose, hey, dude, these games come up on you like this. I'm just telling, I just look at these guys and I'm like, man, are the, the Lions are better, right? Absolutely. Look, look, I think I think the Lions can beat them. And look, here's another thing about the Dallas Cowboys that wasn't getting talked about enough. You know, earlier in the season, that defense was putting up points, not that offense. That defense was forcing turnovers. That defense was giving up field position. That defense was, you know, pick sixes and fumble recovers for touchdowns, you know, all that kind of stuff. That defense was scoring. Now, you saw what happened when they actually needed the offense to do something. Look what happened. Dak Prescott turned into a pumpkin. C.D. Lamb turned into... You know, they, they they put CD Lamb on a platter. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they were just non-existent. By the you way, CD Lamb no in my a tone. CD Lamb, in my opinion, overrated dude. Overrated I think he opinion. is a soft one. He's soft. He's soft. I mean, like he's if you have the list of what you consider ones, he's like the last guy on the list. He's soft. He, like it's look, man. You know, dude, Devontae Smith's better. I I I, I firmly believe that. I believe I believe Devontae Smith is a better player, and he's a more willing blocker in the run game. He's just a more physical player, despite his slight build. If Devontae Smith was in Dallas right now, he might be leading the NFL in, in yardage. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying because I see I see Ceedee Lamb, and I think he's got alligator arms sometimes. I've never seen that with Smith. You they know, that guy don't want to extend himself because he knows he's going to take a hit. Yep. I saw you. You can see that. I saw that guy in that Zay Flowers when he was playing because he knew he was going to get hit coming across the middle with the Steeler guys. Well, the guy went up there with some alligator arms like that. You got to extend in that sport, son. The Cowboys got punked. The Cowboys can't say nothing to me. They can't, you know, the the fan. They can't say nothing about nothing right now. They need to sit back and be quiet and pray for rain. One more thing on the Cowboys here. Do you will Dak Prescott be the starting quarterback by the season's end, or will Trey Lance? No, Dak's still Dak's gonna ride this thing to the wolves fall off. Um now next year. That's it. How about if they're three and three? You're how about this? You're three and three. Your chances of making it to the uh title for the NFC East is over. The the Eagles are not surrendering a three-game lead in the East. That thing is over. You're now fighting for a playoff spot potentially. If you're three and three. Take a look at their schedule, Tone. Take bring your schedule up. I want to show you something here. They okay. dropped that game to the Chargers, and they go three and three. Okay, they got the Eagles coming up in two weeks too. Yep. Okay, so give me the next four games. Okay, so they got the Chargers. They got the Rams. At the home. Rams can beat them. I think the Rams can catch them, but you know we'll see. But so it's Chargers, Rams, then it's Eagles. Then this Giants, Panthers, Commanders. They can probably get back on track right there. But other than that, man, then they got Seahawks. This is this is where the rubber meets the road right here. And this is where I think their season's gonna be lost. They have Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, Commanders. They're not they're do they I lose don't, the playoffs? 
Man, I think I think they make the playoffs. Do you think the Charger game determines that? Oh, that's a good question. I would have to think about that a little bit more. Um, the Chargers game because three you're and three. three and three. Then you've got Rams and Eagles. Right, right, and then you got Giants, Panthers, Commanders. Giants, Panthers, Commanders. You can get back on track, but then you roll into that Seattle game. Yep, and then you got Eagles right after that again. Then you got Bills, Dolphins, Lions. That's a tough stretch, dude. That, that, that's a tough hey, stretch. My pick looks like shit now for the other side when it comes <laughs> to the Super Bowl here. That the, hey, they could be nine and eight. <laughs> yo, they're, yo, they're looking like a uh, yeah, they're looking like a nine one team, maybe a ten one team, if that. Like seriously, like they're looking like a non ten win team at this rate. You know what I mean? At this, but look, they have talent. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to pretend like they're not a talented team. Hey, hey Tony, their problem is culture and mental and showing up when it matters most. They don't do I'm well in these situations. Stop saying that to me, man. Talent doesn't get killed like that. That's true. No, you're right. No, you know what? You're right. You're right. Watch this. You know what? That was a bloodbath. That was a bloodbath. You know what talent is? Eagles getting beat by a couple points in a Super Bowl. Eagles getting beat by four points. Eagles getting beat by a score, not by 32 points. That was a bloodbath, Sills. Like that game should have not went like that. Yeah, but that, the, it, but the game that will always stick with me. It's the Cardinal game. It's more so the Cardinals game, right? Yeah, it's they they again, we talked about this. If they would have lost 27-24, yeah, 30 to 23, okay, all right. They got they lost 42 to 10. That showed lack of preparation. And I thought they gave that up the, was, I I thought they lit up on the gas pedal. Yeah, honestly, I was watching that game from beginning to end. They they benched Purdy and put in Sam Darnold. That's how bad it got. And then and then Dak Prescott and then Dak Prescott followed that up because they benched Fred Warner too. They said Fred Warner, you're good, you're balling, you can sit you down. They put a backup linebacker in. Next thing you know, Dak Prescott throws an interception to the backup linebacker. Dude, <laughs> you on, know man. what? This can't hey, be real life. That's like the Eagles putting Ian Book in. <laughs> Dude, Sam, like they could have really ran a score up. Like that, that score could have easily been fifty-five to ten. I would have done it too. I would have did it. I, I would have did it. I would have kept Purdy in, and I would have just. I would. That's one team tone. I'm you run the score up on. Yeah, it's, it's it's certain teams that you just have to do it to, and they and they would have been the one. You know what I mean? Look, I, I, I they're a joke. The Devin says that thirteen minutes left in the fourth, they took all the starters out. Yeah, yeah, it was a full quarter left. The, the Niners only had to play three quarters of football to drop, 40, to drop 42 points on the Cowboys. And That's Micah Parsons is today in the locker room saying we have a team that competes with the 49ers when it comes to a They're playoff crack. They smoking crack over there. Like, listen, I live in Texas now. Dead silence. Dead silence. I, I normally see Cowboys fans all the time. They're, they're nowhere to More Texan fans now. <laughs> they're, they're Texas fans now, right? They're Texans fans. Like it, it's it's crazy. Like even the Red River rivalry, right? They were quiet when they lost that game. Like it was, man, Dallas Cowboys are a joke, man. I'm not taking them I'm not taking them serious. I'm at all. I'm not taking them serious. Telling awesome stuff, man. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you coming aboard, brother. Of course, man. I appreciate you always giving me the chance to uh, pontificate. I appreciate that, man. You bet, man. <laughs> I enjoy it with you now, man. Thank you so much. That's our friend, Tone. Hey, folks, do me a favor. Make sure you check out our good friends at Hooters. Seven locations in the Northeast area. All you have to do is find one of those locations. 
all there for you. All you have to do is go online. You could also use the app, Hooters2Go.com. If you don't want to go into any one of the locations, the iconic Hooter girls will come out, give you the food, go back to your own castle, your own stadium, eat the food. Or if you want to go in and try one of the specials, like Tuesdays, buy 10 wings, 10 boneless free. Wing Wednesdays, 1983, all you can eat. Great specials, happy hours. Kids eat for free on Saturdays, as we said. NortheastTutors.com. That's NortheastTutors.com. When you go into any one of the locations, do me a favor. Tell a Big Sill sent you. and Hooters, the perfect pair. You own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. I'll be on the Seth Joyner show tonight just to give you guys a little brief heads up. We're going to be doing at the top of the hour, our top 10 teams, excuse me, and are also our top 10 quarterbacks. Hey, I'm just, I'm just telling you, man, the Cowboys right now, 
They just don't have a two-game lead on you. Or Eagles don't have just a two-game lead on Dallas. You guys are light years ahead of them in numerous moves. It's pretty remarkable how a guy has changed his stripe, so to speak, in Roseman and how he's run this team since the 17th Super Bowl. Got to tell you, man, you know, really since Chip Kelly, he has been a completely different general manager. Completely different general manager. Let me ask you this question before we get into my top 10 teams and top 10 quarterbacks. My weekly list goes up and down, obviously. Do you think A.J. Brown has been a better Philadelphia Eagle wide receiver acquisition than Terrell Owens? Is A.J. better of an Eagle acquisition than Terrell Owens? You could answer this question in numerous ways, too. Okay? And, and 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 some would go no and say no. Not sure you're wrong too. It's kind of complex question because it depends what you're looking at. And I think it depends on who the quarterback is. So let's do this. <clears throat> who do you think would be a better fit for Jalen Hurts? Terrell Owens or A.J. Brown? By the way, who was in the backfield during the Owens year? Who was in the backfield for for McNabb when Owens was there? Westbrook. So you may not have had Devontae Smith as the other wideout. You had one of the greatest players in Eagle history and Brian Westbrook in the backfield. Brian Westbrook's one of the greatest Eagles in the last 25 years. So I don't know. It's a pretty good. That's a pretty good offset to have Brian Westbrook. T.O. is tougher than A.J., I thought about this question. Owens Owens is an electric player, um, personality. Personally, I don't think the quarterback or the coach could handle him. I just don't think. That's why you have to have a high, high-powered coach that can handle personality. I really Andy doesn't really deal with personalities that well, or he hasn't had to. I would Patrick Mahomes doesn't have some sort of crazy personality. I would say this to you. A tougher personality to me to coach would be McNabb versus Mahomes. Travis Kelsey doesn't really have there's really no drama on Kansas City with any kind of big mouth guys. 
the only guy that they had in Philadelphia during that time that was a big mouth was Owens. I don't think they coached him. I don't think they coached him well. A guy like that, that gives me 1,400 yards in 12 touch or in 12 games, then plays a Super Bowl like that. I don't give a shit what kind of mouth you have. You keep giving me production. That's why when I tell you with AJ, AJ bitching and moaning and, and, and crying about targets and shit, I don't really care about that. As long as it's not a massive distraction and he's continuing to put up numbers like he's putting up, you live with that because that's the guy. That's the position. That's the position. You got to have a quarterback. You see, how about this? Hey, Tone, what's the year that team went to the Super Bowl, played what's, played the uh, Patriots? What was that, 04? TL with Jalen, oh, my God, championships. Huh. 04. If Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of that 04 team, do you win the Super Bowl with Andy Reid as coach? If Jalen's the quarterback of that 04 team and Andy Reid is the play caller and he's your quarterback instead, you think he could have handled Terrell Owens? I do. Here's the point again, back to the question. Yeah, Brian Dawkins was in his prime. He's one of my favorite football players, not just the fact that he played in Philly. Today, Brian Westbrook, Jesus Christ, what would you pay Brian Westbrook today? $20 million? I, I, I mean, he'd be one of the highest paid players in the National Football League, non-quarterback. Okay. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Holy cow, Tia would run all over Sirianni. Would run all over him. It'd be a train wreck. They would never bring a guy like Terrell Owens into Philadelphia. Absolutely not. He, that would be a train wreck. The, 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 the Eagle Leadership Council would beat him up. Okay. I agree. I would say this to you. A.J. Smith's the greatest talent acquisition at wide receiver because you know why? He's doing it two years in a row. 
Owens did it really one year and then surrendered because of his personality. His personality. He's got a lot of Antonio Brown in him. And that's his downfall too. Not to the limit of Antonio Brown, but you know what I mean by Antonio Brown attitude. It's self-destructive. Terrell Owens didn't completely blow the ship up like Antonio Brown has, but he could blow a moment up. And that moment resonates sometimes, especially when you're trying to win championships. Now, it's going to be interesting to see when things aren't going well for AJ, how he acts. But I, I, don't, I don't think he – I think that dynamic between him and Hurts, in my opinion – once again, I think he keeps the waters calm. They're so lucky Devontae Smith has that attitude the way he does. Because if that's another guy, I'll tell you what, if that's Odell Beckham on the other side of A.J. Brown, you got a problem in your locker room. Don't you? Let me ask you this. What kind of, what kind of teammate do you think Alshon Jeffries was? What kind of what kind of teammate was Alshon Jeffries? When you when you think of Alshon Jeffries, Devin says too honest. Snake. Backstabber. See, that's the shit you don't want in your locker room. That's the stuff you don't want. They got good dudes on this team at the position that's the most important. And you know what you got a lot? You got a lot of patience with them three guys. Not so much AJ, but Devontae and Goddard. Dude, Devontae and Goddard play a submissive role to AJ because they have to. That's leadership. They know they need that guy, and if they start bitching and the other guy starts bitching, then you're going to have him start bitching. It's really good. I agree for now. All right, top 10 quarterbacks, my weekly list, top 10 NFL teams. We'll do all that. More from you on this. We'll take a look at the Jets, too, as they get ready for week six. We'll do that. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. and Hooters, the perfect pair.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. show we just got it confirmed phil sims will join us at 4 30 eastern time and we will talk to the nfl on cbs and the desk analyst and get his thought former two-time super bowl champion phil sims will join us at 4 30 eastern time so we'll talk to phil and get his thoughts there on jalen hurts the eagles the 49ers nfl stuff It is always great to catch up with Phil Simms. So we will talk with him. We'll talk about that Jets team. You know, Phil's around that Jets team a lot too. And that's the next opponent for the Eagles. So Phil Simms will join us at the bottom of the hour here. So we're looking forward to that. Thank you very much, Phil. Um, I think the Jets will pose some issues. For the Eagles, I think patience will have to be at a premium here a little bit because you may get some three and outs because of Sauce Gardner and the way that they get after people. Quentin Williams is a heck of a football player. They got good players on defense. But they're not going to be able to withstand the roster. And what I mean by that is that, you know, the Eagles just across the board, there's only one team in the NFL that I think per 53 – has a better roster than them, and that is San Francisco. Um, But that doesn't mean that that better roster will beat the Eagles on December 3rd. I'm not saying that. I'm saying right now your defense is still coming along. The 49ers are completely intact. They're playing championship football like you did a year ago. Okay? You're not. You've had one game in offense 
That's not being back. Consistency. The difference between the 49ers right now and the Eagles is completely just being consistent on a week-to-week basis. That's it. Okay? That's totally it. That's it. Now, what, what do I think the Eagle defense is going to continue to get better? Yes. Barring injuries. Barring injuries. How about this? Would we not agree with this about the Cowboys? Have the Cowboys gotten worse since those fraudulent, like, fool's gold games against both New York teams in the first? Those two games at the beginning of the year for the Cowboys may have actually been the worst things to happen for Dallas. Okay? I mean... The 49ers have a better defense at every level. Are you better in the D-line than them across the board? No. Are you better than them linebacking? No. Are you better than them in the secondary? By the way, I think Darius Slay um, is exactly what I thought he was. JM, you're better where? On defense? Your ends aren't playing great. Reddick has had one game. As a unit across the board, I think the 49ers are second in defense and second in offense. Good. Phil Sims is good to go. Fantastic. 430. Well, that's Phil. San Francisco has a horrible secondary, and yet you guys give up 300 yards a game. Okay, sure. And yours isn't? Are you trying to tell me you got a great secondary in pass defense right now? Last week was the best week they've had. You've played a month in a game. Let's go top 10. I want to get out of that conversation because it's an idiotic conversation to suggest that you have a better defense than the 49ers. You do not. Okay? Who are your all pros again? I missed them. Do you have one? Probably the kid Carter. Do you have one? They've got four. And the reigning defensive player of the year. All right. Here are my top 10 NFL teams. They played scrub offenses and you played non-winning teams. You haven't played a team with a winning record yet. Here are, by the way, I cannot put the Cowboys in the top 10. I refuse to put the Dallas Cowboys in the top 10. That is not happening. I am not putting a team in the top 10 that gets killed like that. I am not. Number 10. Now, again, how I look at teams, I look at your collective group, of 
The Bucks have a winning record. You're right. So do the Cowboys. As a collective six and how well you're playing right now. Okay? I got the Ravens at 10. I know, Steelers beat them. They're 3-2 and two on the year. They've had some shitty losses here. I still think the Ravens roster is a good roster. And I've got them at 10. Number nine, I've got the Chargers here. I think the Chargers are going to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Okay? I think they're going to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Number eight, I got the Buffalo Bills at number eight. At number seven, I got the Jaguars at number seven. At number six, I have the Seattle Seahawks. So 10 through six. Ravens, you know, that's a good one. Warrior. You might want to replace the Ravens with the Browns down there. Would you replace that? Would you put the Browns down there at 10? Instead of the Ravens? They do have the top defense in the NFL. I'm going to stick there with the Ravens. Ravens at 10. Chargers 9. Bills 8. Jags 7. Seahawks 6. Here are my top five NFL teams. I got the Lions at 5. I think they're playing really good football. I really do. I think they're playing really good football, and I think Dan Campbell's the real deal. Number four, my top 10 NFL teams. I got the Kansas City Chiefs here. Number three. I got the Miami Dolphins at three. Two, I have the Eagles. And number one, the San Francisco 49ers. Here's my top 10 NFL teams. Ravens, 10. Chargers, 9. Bills, 8. Jaguars 7, Seahawks 6, Lions 5, Chiefs 4, Dolphins 3, Eagles 2, 49ers 1. And the Eagles have been moving up progressively um, each and every single week. So good for them. 
Now here are the quarterbacks. I think last week I had hurt seven. Top 10 NFL quarterbacks for the week. As we go into week six. Number 10. I got Trevor Lawrence Jaguars. Sitting at 10. Number nine. I have Geno Smith. Seahawks. Number eight. Justin Herbert. Chargers. Number seven. Lamar Jackson. Ravens. Number six, Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills. Number five, Jalen Hurts, Eagles. Number four, Jared Goff, Lions. Number three, Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs. Number two, Tua Tugaviola, Dolphins. And number one, leading pretty much in every single statistic, including 5-0, and and never been beat in the regular season, Brock Purdy, 49ers. So here's my top 10 quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence, Geno Smith, 9 Justin Herbert at eight. Lamar Jackson at seven. Josh Allen, six. Jalen Hurts, five. Golf, four. Mahomes, three. Two a two. Brock Purdy, number one. Probably of all the quarterbacks on this list that has the most impressive win, it's Jared Goff. In Kansas City, beating the defending champions on banner night. Probably the most impressive of all the quarterbacks that has had the most impressive win so far. Um... Joe Burrow's not a bust. He's just not playing well. I got Stroud at 11. Yeah. Well, he's not... Mahomes is not playing better than Tua. He's not playing better than Brock Purdy. That Kansas City team can't beat that 49er team. Kansas City is not going back to the AFC title game. They're just not. They're they're not very good. He's not playing his best ball. Lowest completion percentage. Okay, in his entire NFL career. Tug of Viola's on pace for six thousand yards passing. You got a receiver in Miami. It's on pace for two thousand, and they're four and one. 
Jalen has played solid football, really good football, this last week. Look, I'm going to say it one more time to you, man. Quarterbacks, I mean, it's got to be the most difficult position to play in the NFL because, look, when I'm a defensive tackle and I'm getting ready to play a game, I've got a book on the guy, say, that I'm playing against, and I'm playing against, say, Mike Munchak or what have you. And I know what Mike does, and I know his strengths and weaknesses, and I know what this guy does, or I know what a center does like Bruce Matthews, and I got what these guys are all doing. I know strength and weaknesses of an individual matchup. When you're a quarterback and you've got to see what defensive coordinators are doing to you in a week-to-week basis, there's no question. These guys are constantly challenged each and every single week with different looks. I'd like to see Dean and Merle in together. I'd like to keep that thing fundamentally secure as well. But th- these court Jalen had a really great called game. That's the best we've seen him. Okay. Kirk Cousins is second in yards and number one in TDs, and his team stinks. Winning has to matter, like you guys say, doesn't it? You got to put winning in it. You got to put winning in it. And that's the one thing, again, that both the 49ers and the Eagles have going for them this year in the NFC. And as I've been telling you guys, the Lions are knocking on the door, not the Cowboys. The Eagles and the 49ers are bullies. They bully you. They can beat you in numerous ways. And they're physical. Do you want to hear a statistic? Here's a statistic. How about this one, Tone? Before we get Phil on, you want to hear a statistic that will tell you all you need to know about the San Francisco 49ers? Last year, every single team that played the San Francisco 49ers, the following week, they lost. Think about that. 0-15. From like week 15 on, week 15 on, every single team that played the 49ers the previous week and had to play another game the next week, all lost. What's that tell you? They beat you up. They beat you up. Dallas is a finesse team including Michael Parsons. That's finesse, in my opinion. So that December 3rd matchup is going to be outstanding. It was a bad game against the Cowboys with Minshew because of the turnovers. Yeah, Forrest, don't look at that Minshew game last year versus Dallas. The game that's going to matter is going to be in a couple weeks here when Hertz is at full strength and Dak's at full strength. And you're going to find out what's going on here with how good. I I don't think 
you have to worry about Philly. I think you got to worry about who Dallas is. Who's Dallas's identity right now? You get trucked by the Cardinals, and then you get destroyed by the 49ers, and you're going around town today talking about how good of a playoff team you think you guys are if you're Michael Parsons. Can you imagine LT saying shit like that after getting annihilated and then turning around and trying to convince yourself that you're still a good team? Good teams don't talk like that after getting killed. That's a culture in the building. Jimmy Johnson's not allowing that kind of conversation going on after you get murdered by the 49ers like that. I mean, it's delusional. But they didn't show up. Okay? They didn't show up. See, what? they, they just didn't show up. You got two bullies in the NFC. Okay? The two bullies are the 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. And what you got with the Cowboys is, is a finesse team that got killed. I mean, they ran right at them. When you're a bully like that, and the stat speaks to it. Before I get Phil on here, how about that stat, though, about the the 49ers from week 15 on? Every single team that played them the following week lost from a year ago. That's beating people's asses. Let's go to our friend from CBS, our good friend, Phil Sims. He joins us now. It's dark. Oh, Phil. I like to, oh, try to get my light. I like to work in the dark, as you can see, Dan. I like that. <laughs> Got the TV on. I'm reading my computer. I was just watching the Bengals play the Arizona Cardinals. That was interesting. And um, But, yeah, I listened to you here a little bit, the 49ers. You know, many things. I'm not, I'll just say this first. It's emotional. I thought the Cowboys would play this game close and have a chance to win because I thought the emotion is all on the Cowboys' side because they've lost two times in a row. It was a big embarrassment. You know, all the focus. And come to find out, the 49ers are really good. I know that. But they were the more emotional team almost right from the start. And, you know, as you know, emotion does play something into the outcome of games for sure. And it just, you got energy and you're into it and all these things. So that was a disappointing game in, as a, being a fan. But also it was interesting too to learn so much more about San Francisco and to learn more about the Cowboys too. Who do you think is more of a valued piece on that 49er team offensively, Purdy or McCaffrey? Well, with Brock Purdy, he's pulling the trigger on many, many more plays and has so much more to do with it. I mean, his decision-making was good. I thought it was the best game he played in the year by far. I thought, you know, let's don't forget the arm. Uh, I'm sure he was a little limited sometimes in training camp, all these things. And he's kind of getting an in-season shape, decision-making, physically, everything involved. And I thought he was really sharp, made some big-time throws. I mean, listen, and, and the disguise, not the disguise, Everything that the 49ers do, the plays, the design, let's don't kid ourselves. It wasn't good. It's great. I mean, it's out-of-the-box thinking. Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel are out-of-the-box thinkers right now in the NFL, and people got to, hey, you, you better either try to catch up or you're going to get left behind in that, in, in that game. How about this, Phil? Do you think you mentioned the injury? Do you think, Phil, that Kyle Shanahan is calling plays to limit 
him from having to like aggravate that? Or do you think that playbook is wide open? That play. Oh my God. The playbook is so wide open. It's ridiculous. They now are stretching the field sideways and down the field. And, you know, I have said many, many times, probably to you and to everybody that listens. And I talk about the 49, all their passes are over the middle. Now they're throwing it to the sidelines. They're throwing it deeper down the field. And you know what? I don't know what the numbers say because I don't care. This is my eye telling me that they are willing to do whatever it takes to make good plays. And the movement, uh, I think, just again, watching the game, I think there was only one snap on the offensive side where they didn't shift somebody or have somebody in motion. Usually it's one of each, and sometimes it's a double shift with the motion. Now, how about you? How'd you like to play defense with all that moving around? Impossible. Oh, check. Oh, shoot. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, come on. It was ridiculous. And uh, it was a masterful game plan. 49ers, Eagles, in your opinion, who's the better team right now? Well, right now, I think the I'd say the 49ers, if we're going to pick nitpick or whatever, but I think the Eagles are just, um, it's not, they're not even emotionally involved, maybe not right now. So that's got to be scary. Put them up to the test. Let them play, you know, and I know they played some uh, tight games or whatever. It doesn't matter. But I think once the Eagles really form the season and they just, okay, here it comes, they're going to be even better than we see right now. I think they're two clearly, clearly. I think they're the two best teams in the NFL, and I don't even know who the third is right now. How about this in the NFC? Phil, do you think it's closer that the Lions are the third best team in the NFC than the Cowboys are? It's 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 right there. Yeah, the Lions are doing a lot of good stuff, but I still worry a little bit about their defense. Do they have enough guys to get to the quarterback? I know Aiden Hutchinson's been really good, and they they're drafting, and it's it's good. But it's not. I don't look at their defense and think special that they. And look, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. That's all we talk about. But you got to have multiple guys to hit the quarterback. And San Francisco and Philadelphia have about ten each to hit the quarterback. And that's what separates them. But the Lions, their offense, the play-action pass, you know, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator. I said this to my son today on a podcast we're doing, my young son, Matt. Of course, uh, he tells me a lot of things I didn't know, which are a lot of fun. But I said, <laughs> if I was the Lions, I would go up there right now. Ben, come in this room. We want to talk to you. We want to give you a contract that you cannot turn down. <laughs> and, I, I'm, and I'm really serious. What is it to the team and what they make these owners? And all? I think a big key going forward for the Detroit Lions, they got to keep him in there as offensive coordinator and just make him an offer, as they would say. You know, I'm talking, hey, make him an offer he can't refuse because I think he's that important to the team, along with Dan Campbell, of course, given. But what they do on offense, it's got a little bit of everything. It's old school. It's got all the other stuff, you know, the off-kilter plays, um, i really, really impressed with what they do on the offensive side. The brotherly shove. Is it a football play or not? Hey, it doesn't bother me. Just because the, the Philadelphia Eagles, look, they don't need to shove. They don't even have to shove. Come on, let's be honest. Jason Kelsey can get lower than any human that's ever played offensive line in the NFL. And it, he's like a groundhog. I don't know what you call it. He can just blow <laughs> like, I mean, come on, right? He can blow like a mole. I've never seen anything like it. And you know, I, 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 you know, nobody admit this. Last year, probably about week, I'm gonna say whatever it was, week eight or ten. And I go, this Eagle team, man, wow! 
And then I remember saying on the NFL today, I go, and this quarterback sneak thing is a weapon. And everybody's like looking at me and I'm like, I wanted to go, we don't believe me. And uh, now it's talked about all the time, but it, it caught my attention. I don't know when early last year, it's not only the quarterback sneak, they haven't un, unveiled all the other plays that they have off of that. They tried one against Tampa. Did you see it? Yeah. Yeah. That one, he tripped over. I forgot who he tripped over and fell or whatever. But I think last year, I'm just putting a number. They had five different plays out of that quarterback sneak. And if it's third and four, they could literally line up every time and just go, well, we're going to quarterback sneak it twice. We'll get a first down. So it doesn't bother me. I think it should be. I, I don't want them to get rid of it. Uh, if you want to stop the push from behind, like I said, it doesn't matter to the Eagles. How about this, Phil? Tell me what the difference is. And, you know, I, I tried explaining this. I had Bruce Arians on a couple weeks ago. You can have the same playbook, but if you don't have the same cook cooking the recipe, it's going to have a different taste to the soup. And you <laughs> see that with certain coordinators sometimes. You know, Jimmy Johnson says this all the time, too. He's like, some coordinators want to put a lot of points up and yards up. Some are trying to win ball games. You've got to figure it out. And is that kind of what Jalen, because he just seemed apprehensive in the first couple games. There was those pre-slides, not to get hurt. It seemed like a step behind. This last week against the Rams, 303, 70 yards. That's what we saw a year ago. How much time does that take to develop that rapport between two guys like that that are new? Well, I'll just say this. I, Am I overcooking it? Yeah, they're running the same stuff. And why would you want to change the offense? They built the offense for Jalen Hurts. And, it's it's and of course, the talent is it's incredible. The Eagles got so many good players. Of course, so the 49ers. It's just amazing how they've separated themselves so much from the NFL. Um, you know, I just look at it, and they got size, speed. They just got everything. And how do you do that in this day and age? Well, really good drafting, great use of the money. And, you know, these they're just crushing it in the draft. But, you know, Jalen Hurts, I it didn't bother me. He was running outside the pocket and sliding for one-yard gain and all that. Come on. This, this NFL, especially, you know, the first four or five weeks of the season, it's brutal. Why? Because everybody's fresh and the speed is out of control. <laughs> and, you know, week 11, let's say the Dallas Cowboys play the 49ers in week 12. They'll look at the film and go, man, look how much faster we were then than we are now. I'm bigger. The uniforms even look different. I mean, it is a, the NFL does slow down. You just got to survive. I always thought that. Man, if you can survive the first four or five weeks, you can make it through the year. But those first four or five are brutal because of eager, you know, still trying to form our football team and what we do best but just guys being healthy and still at top speed, it's it's pretty rough. couple NFL questions for you, Phil. Denver, you know that that contract with Russell Wilson hasn't even kicked in the escalators now, and you're talking about dead cap money now. You're talking about a $20 million coach. I thought this was supposed to be an upgrade. Hell, Nathaniel Hackett looks like a better coach last <laughs> year than what I'm seeing with Sean Payton. I mean – you have, you're probably going to get the second pick, Phil. You're not going to be able to draft a quarterback because it would be salary cap hell. You still got years on that deal. That thing is a train wreck in Denver. Well, I th I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the contract real close. It, they'll they'll have to probably live through it this year and next year. They, 
they can get out of it. I think I, I haven't looked at it too much. If I, I think it's three years, is it? Well, if I have money questions, always ask Boomer because man, he follows it close. Filled <laughs> <laughs> it. Look at this, and he's showing. Okay, Boomer, you know. And then finally, last year at one time, I said, you know what? I got to tell you the truth, Boomer. It bothers me now. So, but it's been a long time. Ah. Hey, if if they're in a position, and you know, the Caleb Williams, that's all everybody's talking about. But if they're in a position where they think they can get him, then they'll find a way to do whatever they got to do to take him. I would think. If you think that highly of the quarterback, then you got to move forward with it. Here, here's my thing. The we thought the Denver defense was going to be good like it was last year. And it's, it's absolutely awful. Yep. And Russell Wilson is not their main problem. Actually, I just, Hey, I'm sitting here. I saw, uh, Oh, who was on TV, Eric Mangini. And he put, I think they put up a chart. He's second in this first in this, all these numbers. If you, and I'm not a numbers guy, but it was interesting. I think he's playing solid football. Him and Sean Payton, I think, can survive. I do know this. Did you read Sean Payton's lips when Russell fumbled and he came out? I did. The hot is the running back. And I cleaned it up. <laughs> it was like a Sims and Parcells moment. No, 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 no. <laughs> Russell's not going to yell back at Sean Payton. So that's the difference. <laughs> oh, my know. God. But, Phil you know, it wasn't, I never was disrespectful in that way. I just want to – that was our relationship. You know, I could – Bill was a unique coach. I tell players this all the time, but they don't believe me. He could yell at you, and there came a point, and he did it. He had about eight of us that he yelled at. And you could yell back, and he would not be offended. He'd just go, oh, are you mad at me? And, I mean, he'd just go, wow, there's something wrong with you, coach. So and, totally, uh, man. He enjoyed that kind of stuff when you fought. He, he probably you liked it more when you fought back. He goes, yeah, because he knew he was really getting under your skin and really is bothering you, and that's what he wants. And, of course, it's always about with coaches. Sometimes you talk to somebody loudly to do what? Send a message to the rest of the guys because a lot of them are too tender to yell at. And you know that, and I know it. So Tender? Okay, I like yeah, that Yeah, they're word. tender. <laughs> the feelings get hurt really easy. Um, so, but uh, I, I like that word. Okay, Phil, I'm going to get under your skin here, man. Daniel Jones, come on, man. It's a $40 million a year mistake. Yeah. It, it looks rough, um, but, you know, <laughs> I've never known a quarter – well, I shouldn't say that I know one that played with a bad offensive line and made it work, and that was Joe Burrow when he went to the Super Bowl. But, look, come on. It, it, the Jets – I think the Jets lost uh, Vera Tucker for the year, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, my gosh. What is it in New York? The offensive lines just can't make it work. And – you know, I always – I say this every year, and I'll say it many times between now and the, and the Super Bowl and all that. When you look at all the teams that are going to the playoffs and you think they got a chance, they have one thing in common, one. Don't even want to hear the quarterback. they got solid offensive lines that allow their guys to be players. And right now, Daniel Jones does not have that. And so judge him however you want. But, you know, when you when you have a good offensive line in front of you, at least you have the opportunity to take advantage of what's there. And the Giants' offensive line is – it's injured, injured, and it's atrocious right now, that's for sure. Well, I'm going to tell all these people why Phil Sims wore an extra chin strap, okay, because my my uncle, Robustelli, who had turned it over to George Young, says, this is the worst offensive line we've had in New York. And Phil Sims got annihilated. 
And he wore that double chin strap, that, that thing on your chin, because your rookie year, it could have been the Cardinal game. I'm sitting there, I'm watching, I'm like, this guy just got destroyed. I mean, so yeah. if anybody knows what a battle line is, you do, Phil. The difference is, Dan, is this. When you're a rookie, you're like, well, hell, it's whatever. You can take it. <laughs> you yeah. can take it. I mean, you know, I Randy White hit me my rookie year down in Dallas. We battled him to the end in New York that year. And, you know, we had won my first four starts, so I'm pretty excited. And I'm playing against Roger Stallback. That was – I couldn't believe I was playing against Roger Stallback. But Randy White, the second time we played in Dallas, hit me right under my chin. And I hit the ground, and my chin was split wide open. And blood, I got it all in my oh, chin. Yeah. And I went, oh, oh. And Randy White's, I can't even tell you exactly, but I'll give you. He goes, ah, shut up, you big baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it wasn't baby. Went, okay, yes, sir. <laughs> hey, I'm sure it wasn't baby. I'm sure it was the other one. Oh, he, he hey, look, man, he was, um, listen. He was unbelievable. It's amazing in the short time that we played against him. I don't know how many years, but wow. he He's that, you know, as you know, there's certain guys when they hit yeah. you, it pierces your whole body. And other ones are just flush and doesn't bother you. Randy White was one of those guys when he hits you, it just went through everything. It was like he was truly made of granite. And he was so fast and so powerful. Oh, my gosh. He was a, you know what he was? He was a running back who just got so big he had to be a damn defensive lineman. Yeah, he, he 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 was sensational there. Does it bug you, Phil, when you hear people comparing? I think Michael Parsons is in Pat Swelling. And for people to th- Pat Swelling was the NFL player of the year when he was with New Orleans. I mean, this guy was a 130 sack guy. I mean, he was a great sack artist. And I'm like, that guy showed up and played. And then I hear them talking about LT, and I'm like, even in the giant losses. He was killing guys. I don't ever remember that guy ever in a game where you went, man, LT. He, 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 I watch this guy, and he's Casper the Ghost sometimes, Phil. Well, you know, of course, Lawrence, it's it's always going to be hard to compare people to it. Lawrence changed football. And, you know, Micah Parson is tremendous. But is he changing the game? No. Yeah, no, because, you know, we're kind of used to it a little bit in that respect. And, of course, everybody game plans against him. And, you know, everybody – well, I shouldn't say everybody game plan against Lawrence. And I was very happy when they didn't because he would have spectacular days and we <laughs> would win. But Lawrence changed blocking assignments, the way people uh, picked it up, you know, picked up, you know, pass rushers. And, uh, you know, you can't deny that. It, it was – it didn't take long for the NFL to say, we can't pull the guard out and block him because he's going to run him over or run around him. So that's where the slide, let's get the tackle out there, and everything came about. And and the good thing was that started – it was okay. It worked against the sun. But we had this other guy on the other side, Carl oh, Banks. Thanks. Oh, he's like, oh, it's my turn. Shit, Brad Van Pelt was great. Well, yeah, Brad Van Pelt was a, a monster, too. He was a really good player. And, you know, probably almost my whole career with the Giants, our linebacking core was ridiculous. I mean, Carson, Reasons, oh. all them guys. Andy Hedden, Byron. Oh, he was Byron Hunt. so we, underrated. We had, I remember eight guys we had could have been NFL starters, and they would have gone and started somewhere, but we, you couldn't do that then. And I said to somebody once, I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Ron Earhart. I said, damn, Ron, 
our practices, I mean, our scout team is brutal. And he goes, yeah, they're all mad as hell because they're not starting. <laughs> it was true. We had fights and like scrimmages because these Andy Hedden and Byron Hunt and Robbie Jones from Alabama was a good oh, player. And Gary Reasons was a backup at the time. You know, and they're mad. They wanted more playing time. So how do you get playing time? You practice great, make the coach play you. So um, we were very close. Must have helped you and your development going against guys that were because again, back in the day when you played with those guys, there wouldn't be a game where I wouldn't do this. Is that Lawrence Taylor and Carl Banks and Harry Carson on the kickoff team? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if I'm lining up on the other side and I'm going, is that LT on the rush man on kickoff team? Holy <laughs> cow. Lawrence was on field goal block, you know, and uh, or field, I mean, field goals. And uh, they were, yeah, you did a lot of stuff back then. Of course, Probably the beginning of that was Bill Belichick was our special teams coach for years. So I here I was the quarterback. You know how special teams has their meeting, then yeah. you go and do offense. I would go and sit in back of the room in the special teams meeting with Belichick. Cause you know, he'd have that laser and just, you know, his condescending, uh, what are, what are you thinking here? You just he was hilarious. And, you know, <laughs> and the special teams meeting would be twice as long as the offense and defense did, but Man, you couldn't, but you know, that was just in a day where we didn't quite have the group that you have now, where there's always what about six guys on the team, yeah. and they're there to play all the special teams, and you fill it in here and there with some starters if you have to. It wasn't quite that way early in my career, but it started to turn that way as I the longer I was in the league. Okay, I'm going to leave you with this here. Last week we had Boomer on, and I made That's sure I told him, I said, I'm going to try to get Phil on here, and, and I, I said this to him. I go, so I'm going to ask him a question, and I'm going to let you know what he says. Is he still cry too much, man, when he gets on set? Does he always complaining and bitching and moaning about the lighting and the food and the have you? Is he still complaining the way he does? Because, you know, when he was at Maryland, my freshman year, I was a teammate of his at Maryland before I transferred to Miami. And he, Frank Reich, used to cry all the time about not having this or not having that. And I'm, yeah, man, he's you know, a little, yeah, a little, I don't know, a little needy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just say this to you. Um, the dinner table, he takes full advantage of it. <laughs> so in lots of ways, yeah. you know. My best thing is he was doing the, you know, the highlights or the inserts to all the games. And, and he took a break. And all of a sudden, somebody goes, I, it, it was hilarious. I won't even do it justice. Somebody goes, it was time to do the update. And James Brown is going, and here in Philadelphia or whatever, and Boomer's supposed to add on to it. Boomer was outside, and he came running in, and he had a cookie in one hand and a cookie in his mouth. And he <laughs> ran up, and he just, what? and I tell you, we, we didn't laugh. I had tears in my eyes for the next 20 minutes. It was hilarious of that. So he's the child line at CBS is um, plentiful. It's good, and uh, you got, it takes it takes uh, discipline to stay away from it sometimes. But D Boomer's doing great. I got to admit, I always make fun of him. I call him Big Fat Boomer, but he is trimmer and everything. He's in shape, of course. You know that comes with age. Hard to keep weight on as we get older. And uh, but no, he's a good dude. We have a lot of fun at CBS and. Uh, Hey, listen, the one thing I love about doing what I do, we get to talk about the games and all that. 
but all the people I work with, they love football. We love talking about it. We never stop. It's like my kids. People go, you know, when you're together with your kids, what do y'all do? And I said, what do you think we do? <laughs> we analyze every damn player and coach, and that's all we do. I mean, we just – and that it's fun. I, I love doing it. I love my job and uh, staying in touch with the NFL. I'm going to stay in touch with the NFL the rest of my life. Yeah, but Phil, for all the things that um, you were known for as an NFL player during my time and how you being a media guy, the way you talked to those media guys back in New York in the day, it wasn't that you were disrespectful. Not at all. But you were like Belichick. You didn't give them anything. You were not going to well, talk about your teammates. You were not going to talk. You were, you were so straightforward. But yet you didn't give them anything. I mean, it's just. Well, Dan, it, that's what was expected. You know, Parcells, you know, Bill was, you know, I had him for eight years. And I always tell the story. When he retired, I had to go home and check my birth certificate, see if my name began with an F or a P. Because, <laughs> man. And, you know, oh, oh, Sims. Oh, you now you're a star. Oh, you're a star. And I just go, oh, or, you know, it was cringing. But, um, you know, I love my job for this in the media. And people say, here's what my job is, is to tell the truth, to know and tell the truth about the players and coaches. Because perception of what is said on TV by a lot of people, it's just so wrong. And that's what what do the fans know? They only know what they hear on the radio and what they read in the paper. So I always say that's that's what I like about it is to try to set the record straight. It's impossible, but J.J. Watt is on our show now, and I think we had a little talk when the show was over last week, and I didn't say it, but I think he sees a different side going, wow, this media thing, it can be fun, but also it's not derogatory. It's about let's let's tell the truth. You know, I don't – you know, I try to couch it sometimes, but – uh, if somebody's not playing well, I'm not going to say, oh, no, he's playing great. No, I go by what I see. That's why I like to sit here and watch the games every week. You know, after last thing, when you get done on Sunday and I come home, what do I do first thing Monday morning? I got to watch the games because we're there. It's hard to yeah. focus on. We got eight games going on and, you know, you can't watch them. It's crazy. So I come home and first thing Monday morning, I go, let me pick the game. I can't wait to see again just to see what really happened. And I'd go right into it. I love doing it. And uh, when you and I get done here, I'm going to finish up the Cincinnati Bengals and the Arizona Cardinals. And this is true. Joe Burrow looks like he's back. What a difference he was from the week before to that Cardinals game, moving around. His arm looked better. His feet looked better. And the offense and the team looked a little better because Joe Burrow was better. So, Can I sneak one more in or do you have sure. to roll? Sure. All right. He's 30-some victories away from Don Shula's oh, single season. Right. I mean, Phil, that's four more years potentially with that group up there that you're going to have to sit there with maybe subpar football to try to run that record down. He's won all those Super Bowls for Robert Kraft. I mean, are we getting to a position now where Kraft's going to allow him to call his own putt? Or are we in a position here where there's going to be pressure added to Belichick to figure out what he wants to do first before it has to go to Kraft's hand and his decision? 
I, I think the season will prove it out one way or the other. I, I you know, I, it's hard to answer that question. How much I like Bill Belichick, and you know, I did. I, I don't know. I had somebody looking it up for me. I did over eighty Patriot games and and announcing with him up there as coach. Over eighty, maybe ninety, and uh, I did it today with my young son Matt on a podcast. I went back and looked this stuff. Hey. They were the first ones to use the slot receiver and really take advantage of. Then they had the double tight end, which everybody copied with Gronkowski and Hernandez. Then they went to the four wide receivers where they went 16 and 0. Nobody else was doing that. And just think of that. Then they used the running back in the pass game. So they were always on the cutting edge. But the big thing is they had a tremendous offensive line. And when I go over the names that they had at times on their defense, Willie McGinnis, Mike Vrabel, Junior Seau, Teddy Bruschi, Ty Warren, Vince Wilfork, Richard Seymour, Rodney Harrison. It, they had pro bowlers and Hall of Famers all over the team. And I would say to you now, name me one. I, I can't. And it's been that way since Brady's last year, really. Well, you know, that. see, that's another thing. And I take nothing away ever from Tom Brady. But look at the people that were on that team for a lot of those Super Bowl runs. It's, it is unbelievable. And I, I didn't even name them all. Oh, wait. Then they had the biggest clutch guy maybe in history, Adam Vinatieri. So just to think of all those guys, now along with Tom Brady, the, look at the running backs he had up there in his career. Marshall Falk, Corey Dillon. Just goes Phil, on. how about the quarterbacks he drafted? Castle goes on to win a division title for – or, yeah, division title KC. Garoppolo's 49 and – he's 47 and 19. I mean, Jacoby Brissett has started. Yeah. All those guys were backups. Backups, yeah. Well, it, it, it's – it just goes, you know, a little bit. One, he was ahead of everybody in the cutting edge because the league was a defensive league in its way when they won those first couple Super Bowls. Think of Tom Brady back then. It was I formation, two running backs, one tight end, almost every play. And then as everything has evolved, he kind of was on the forefront of it, even on offense. But then it got, again, no matter what you do, how smart you are, and as I always say, you remember – Red Shandy's the baseball coach. Yeah. Okay. Cardinals. The Cardinals. So they lose a the game and somebody said something to him and it was, you know, about the talent of the team. And his comment was this, I, th I think I'm going to say it right. Cause I read it in the book. He goes, well, let me tell you this. I got a, I got a mule out there in Missouri. I can run that damn thing every day and he ain't ever going to win the Kentucky Derby. And so I don't care what kind of coach you are, unless you have the talent to that's going to, be elevated when you coach them, you're, you're just going to get nothing done. And that goes back to this, San Francisco. The coaching is re ridiculous, but look at the talent and how many good players they have on that team. They crush it in the draft. Dre Greenlaw and, oh, shoot, I'm Fred Warner. They're, I think Fred Warner's a beast. He's unbelievable. He's the fastest linebacker I've ever seen in my life. It's unbelievable. But these guys were picked in later rounds. Yeah. Then they go out, well, let's go get Trent Williams. You know, let's get him. Oh, wait, you know, how about this? Team? Let's make a little trade for Christian McCaffrey. Let's just go get him. Because, I mean, Carolina's done with him. It's not working or whatever you want to say. He's nicked up. And it just goes on and on when you talk about Phil, it. Phil, do you think the 49ers have kind of like what happened with Brady, that 
they got lucky with a sixth and seventh round quarterback. And there were already pieces because Carroll already had up there a bunch of guys that were in place. When Belichick goes up there, then the whole thing with Bledsoe and Brady, then they go on this magical run. Like you said, the whole thing evolved. First part of Brady's career was special teams plays that were winning Super Bowls. Back into Brady's career, he's winning Super Bowls. And that's kind of what you're seeing. You could have a quarterback, Phil, win a Super Bowl that makes less than a million dollars a year. How hey, insane is that? The numbers are, you know, I hear it a lot. You know, all these, everybody, Jared Goff going to the Super Bowl with the Rams. And it just, it's, it's unbelievable, you know, that all this that happens. And it's even more prevalent now because quarterbacks are making so much money. I mean, Dan, I don't know where it's going to go because we're going to have more and more quarterbacks coming in the league that I think are pretty much ready to go. Now the question is, can the coach put the system to elevate them like we see out in San Francisco? But will that keep the quarterback salary somewhat reasonable? But I say Tua. That's a good, you know, it's a great question. If they pay him $50 million, it's going to have to affect their football team somewhere and they're going to lose key players. So it's a really give and take there. See, that's the thing about the, the Patriots. They never paid Tom Brady such an exorbitant amount Never of money. Never the highest paid play player in the league ever in his entire career there. No. So just look look what that did for their whole football team. They could keep – they could go out and get guys. A keep to leave because we're not – you know, just the list goes on and on about the guys they could pick up because Tom Brady didn't take the huge salary. But that's not a question anymore. Any quarterback that comes up is looking for the huge payday. And I don't blame them, but besides – I don't know. Can you get these huge paydays and still keep the team together? If you can, that means this. You're drafting like crazy and hitting on everybody. So it's going to be interesting. You're right, Tua. Man, wait. Did they pick up his option? They picked his option up. Now, now – Well, so that gives them two years. And the they option just, is- They could franchise him, but – Phil, to your point, what you said, do you know what the Eagles did in Howie? Did you see the, the cap hits are so minuscule because they gave him the upfront money in the signing bonus where they wanted to diminish it so that they could keep AJ, pay Devontae, pay Dallas Goddard, pay that offensive line because what the Eagles did, unlike other teams, they gave Hurts all that money up front. Daniel Jones has more cap casualty hits for the Giants that are more devastating than what Jalen Hurts has at $50 million. Wow. Well, I don't even know what to say to all that, except, you know, the Eagles are winning in so many ways and they've really built a team. And, you know, like I say, I I just watch them. I haven't watched their game yet this week. I will probably tomorrow, but it's not even like they're emotionally into it yet. And, you know, we haven't seen that fever pitch game. I, I didn't watch last week's yet. So you said it's, they kind of open. No, no, up. they they the, for the f- first half you were you were, you're going to go like this, Phil. Yeah, you're going to watch the first half and you're going to go. Matthew Stafford's going to throw for 700 yards. Oh, yeah. It was the first time that they made adjustments with the new coordinators. That in the second half, it was a completely different shut. They shut down the Rams, and I think the Rams are going to win some games. I think they're a good football team. Yeah, boy, I I tell you, I I can put the jinx on everybody in the pregame show. It seems like everybody I brag about. They have their worst games of the year. <laughs> but the Rams, what a surprise. I mean, and, you know, I, and I said something to Bill Cower. I said, wow, I'm really surprised about the Rams, just the way they look and play. He goes, 
it's a good coach. And I go, yep, that's what it is. The coach, they're they're figuring it out how to work around all this, and it's really impressive. They're good. They're good. They're you know what? They're just before the season, everybody looked at it and said, "Oh, the Rams." Yo, no, I thought they were horrible. And but I mean, other teams are going, "Yeah, we can get that." Now all of a sudden, yeah. they go, oh man, the Rams are going to be a pain in the rear end like everybody else. So it's Sean McVay. That's that's pretty awesome. And Matt Stafford looks, you know, healthier than yeah. Matt Stafford. He is one tremendous, and I, I don't like to say the word a lot, but he is a great thrower of the football. He is great throwing the ball. Like and, Bledsoe great? What? Like Bledsoe? Oh, no, he's a better thrower than uh, Drew Bledsoe. Matt Staff, did I? what did I say, Brady? No, no, you Matt said Stafford. he's a great thrower of the football. Who would you put him in the category with, Marino? Oh, man, he's up where the greatest of all time. Marino? Oh, absolutely. I think he's wow. he's a different kind of thrower, but man, he can throw the ball with such power and at the same time it has finesse and it's easy to catch. I mean, every ball is a damn perfect spiral and who throws more deep in cuts and just rips it in there between guys? You know, he did it in Detroit. Yeah. I heard somebody today going, well, let's look at Matt Stafford's uh, playoff record. Yeah, I looked at Detroit many years when he was there and went, wow, they're a Super Bowl favorite. Now, I'm being very yeah. sarcastic. Yeah. About it. When was that? Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I hate this quarterback thing, you know, all this stuff they say sometimes. Quarterbacks are at the mercy of their coaches and their teammates more than any other person in sports. And because I don't care what talent you got, give him a bad offensive line and not a very good system that fits his style, and I'll show you guys going to have a rough time during the year, a quarterback. So, hey, oh. Bill, you kind of did – oh, no kidding. Yeah, I had a good team. That's why I, I could play a little better. Our team was good. When we were bad, yeah, I threw up some numbers that were incredibly awful, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but I had a 500-yard game one time too. And I, I – We lost. When people, when people tell me this about Phil Sims, I go, well, he was the first version of Troy Aikman. They had the same kind of football team. They, they he, he played within a system – one time he came out of his system and he threw for 500 yards. Then the next week, Phil, you may have thrown for 140. I mean, I forget what it, you went on this gigantic. Uh, was it six? Was it closer to 600 yards? No, it was. Uh, it was 513, if I remember. But the yeah. week before, we threw for four, four thirty something too. And you know, so the, I think that's what you know. People say you get. We could do both at times. We had spurts where we were, you know, and I'm not making excuses, but our wide receiving core would get so beat up. To, hey, Jeff Hostetler played wide receiver some for me in 86. Wow. He was in the lineup. Come in. He comes in. Jeff, I'm going to throw you a bomb this play. Run like hell. Here it comes. And he caught it, but he, he was out of the end zone. <laughs> but, but he played and had to be part of our wide receiving thing. But my point is being this. We would have games and big games where Parcells goes, we got to throw to win. And it wasn't no ifs, ands, and buts because we knew, even though we could run, that this team was going to do everything it could to stop our run game. We beat San Francisco. Do you remember on that Monday night? Yep. Bill Morris ran for 12 yards. Yep. Or 13 or something because Bill Parcells started calling, hey, Club 13. Bill, it's black. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's – 
We played the Washington Redskins that year. Joe just had an unbelievable game on Monday night, just ran at will. And we went down to Washington. We couldn't gain an inch running the football, but we knew that. And so we just threw it. And uh, so Bill Parcells was great at that. He knew that. You, know, you would of, come out of your identity, Phil. He would do what it was going to take to win the game. That sounds, but, you know, oh, we're a running team. And by God, we're going to run at them and we're just going to get it done. <laughs> okay, that's great soundbite, but we're not going to be able to do that. And Tom Coughlin used to just, after games, look at me and go, he's a genius. <laughs> I just can't. Because Tom would be like, what do you mean? We got to do, you know, we got 900 plays to win the game. And Bill would go, nope, we got about 25 plays. We're going to run those. We're going to be good at it. We're going to do this. And, and you know, I used to, I'd be walking across the field after the game. And Tom Cobb would come around to me and goes, he's unbelievable. <laughs> he would talk about Parcells that way. Hey, hey, hey Phil, I, I um, know I can't keep you any longer, but I get Mark, I get Mark Bavaro on. And I can always tell when I'm talking to him when I'm talking about the modern day tight end and how oh. important he was to you and your offense. And he looks at the tight ends today and he goes, Travis Kelsey's not a tight end. And he goes, these guys today are not tight ends and how I played the position. Yeah. They Asper probably caught the ball more than me. He goes, but Dan, did you think there was a more important tight end than me and that giant offense to that giant offense? Then say, I go, well, maybe the guy in San Diego at the time, Winslow was probably the first guy, but he gets kind of hosed a little bit oh, because yeah. he was used so differently. And I thought he was such an important part to how you guys won Super Bowls was having Bavaro on that team. Well, you know, we were really fortunate. Uh, I'll make it. We had Zeke Mowat too. Who, yeah. I mean, Zeke Mowat could block a, a friggin' tank. And so can Mark. They both were unbelievable blockers. But for me, the best thing was you could throw it anywhere. They could catch anything. And I'll never forget and I don't know what year it was. might have been 85. We played a preseason game against Pittsburgh, and we called to play for Mark Bavaro. I didn't throw it to him because he was covered, and we're watching the film the next day, and Parcells goes, why didn't you throw it to Mark here? I go, he's covered. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to this. He's covered. Look at him. He goes, Sims, don't you understand when he's covered, he's open? And I went, okay, I got you. I know what you're saying. And that's really what he meant. We threw more back shoulder throws in that era than anybody. I bet you we threw three huh. more as the next team to us. We did it. That was John Robinson when I was in the Pro Bowl, where he was the coach. He just goes, I can't believe you guys threw all these scenes and it's so dangerous. I go, Well, that's what we do. It's not dangerous to us. And Mark could, no matter where I threw it, he'd catch it here. They could. Wow, Phil, you guys were the first kind of team to throw the back shoulder pass. Oh, without question, we did it more than anybody by far. There Is that for Ron Earhart? Ron Earhart, Bill Parcells, but it was those two guys that were so talented that, and I, you know, and it, it's, of course now we see it, but it's always you you see the defender, and if he's not looking, I just rifle over his head. And if he kind of had the upfield shoulder, I'd throw it behind Mark on purpose, and they just would turn. And, you know, him and Zeke had hands like feet, so <laughs> they could catch anything. <laughs> it is I true. love it. Mark Bavaro, though, look at the Super Bowl, the opening drive. He's covered. 
He's covered. And I knew he was going to body up, and I threw it and hit him right in the chest for a big gain right down inside. And what did I do the next play? I threw it to Zeke Molot for the touchdown. Right. And But they were the first of its kind, and we learned to do that even with our wide receivers because we had smaller wide receivers. I'm trying to think real quick. The Atlanta – Fred Bruni, do you remember him? Yeah. The D coordinator, we went down and spent three days in Atlanta and practiced against them. So the first day we have the, you know, the red zone stuff. I must have thrown, I'm not exaggerating, 15 touchdowns in the period. And almost every one was a back shoulder. And to the wide receiver, to the tight end, to Louis Rousson going up the seam, everything. The next day I go out to walk on the field and just before practice and, you know, the two of us together. Fred Bruni's out there and he goes, look at me, Sims. And he's throwing back shoulders to his <laughs> <laughs> just, I laughed. I go, oh, uh, you know, I didn't know how to take it. I go, yeah, we're ready today. You throw those damn bit. And, I was, and he was, Fred Bruni was great. He was great. But he was a great D coordinator. And I had the very good fortune. He was the Giants coordinator. For, I can't remember for one or two years. And he was just, we had a great relationship but we always laughed about that training camp down in Atlanta where we did that. But, you know, now we take it for granted. I see back shoulder throws and youth. Every, every, it's yeah. a common pass now. It's very common. And, but back then when we started it, it was considered very dangerous by most teams. So it worked out pretty good for us. Hey, Phil, you spent so much time with me today. I thank you so much, man. I mean, well, You're wonderful to me. I really am. I thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it, Dan. Look, I like coming on because, as you can hear, I got a lot of grievances I need to air. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, as I'm getting older and all that, I have less tolerance for things that are said that I know are not true. They're not true. And well, I here's here's one that that is true. You're a Hall of Fame player, and you should be more pissed off about that and no, i not. see guys being nominated now well, i'm on a panel and i keep bringing this up to rick goslin i keep bringing it up to jason cole all these guys like jared bell and i go so wait a minute ken anderson is a hall of famer right and they go yeah and i go by the way great player no shade on him but how do you look at a guy with two super bowl rings who was part of the whole thing that turned the entire giant thing around and he was taking a beating in the first part of this parcells and Perkins and Belichick and all those guys go in there and they change the fortune of the Giants around. And Sims was the first one. Do you know how many people hated the pick? Where were you from? Alcorn? What was it? Uh, Moorhead State. Moorhead State. Everyone in New York is going like this. Moorhead State. Oh. Uh-oh, you cut out on me. Oh, shoot. Well, am I frozen too? Yes. Well, Dan, I don't know if you can hear me, but thank you for having me on and everything. And that uh, was great. And I uh, look forward to talking to you here pretty soon. Okay, man? Hooters, the perfect pair.
if you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428-267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. We back? Are we sure? Holy cow. I think it's because of my melanin. My man heat. You know, because, you know, sills. <laughs> Big sills. What would you expect? Yeah. <laughs> hey. Gavin Newsom shut my Wi-Fi off because I was talking too much about the Giants and not enough about the Rams. Okay? How you doing? Of course, Quan goes like this. That was epic. Because, Well, wait a minute. Quan, when you have Angelo Cataldi tone on, look at that tone. How about tone wedged in between Angelo Cataldi and Phil Simms? Toned to Shields, Angelo Cataldi, and Phil Sims, all in one day. Of course we're going to blow the Wi-Fi. What did you think? Tone, Phil, and Angelo. How you doing? Oh, I can't believe how much Phil Sims likes Jalen Hurts. God, he's got so much talent. God, he, oh, Jesus Christ. I just, you know, every single one of these guests, Phil got awkward real quick. I bet he did. <laughs> hey, 
every guest I get on here likes your guy. You know what? I've never in a million years ever. I mean, Angelo said, hey, Tone, am I right? Did Angelo say that Jalen Hurts is his favorite Philadelphia Eagle? Did he say that? Is it, did he say that today? Jesus criminy. Oh. Quan goes, Phil took my show over. Great. Have at it. Angelo couldn't have said that. Sure did. He said he's his favorite Eagle quarterback of all time. Come on, man. This is getting old. I'm going to have to start interviewing my guys and asking them, hey, please tell me you hate Hurts. I'm kidding. That, I would never do that. I would never do that. That's shit you'd get on WIP. I'm, I would never do that. Okay? It's not something I would do. Have to be a hater. Not, I'm not sure what that is. Okay? He better after he dogged him. Phil Sims never dogged Jalen Hurts. Phil Sims never dogged Jalen. I don't ever remember Phil Sims saying that. Okay? You should have seen what happened. The whole screen just blew up and went. All right. We're going to take a look at week six of the NFL here. You know, we're kind of kind of reset here a little bit also. We gave our top 10 quarterbacks out. We gave our top 10 teams out. Um, the topic that we threw at you also was DeAndre Swift. Tone said earlier, and it's interesting what he said, because he's actually right to this extent. Don't you run DeAndre Swift until his wheels fall off? I think you should run Hurts until his wheels fall off. I used to be on the other end of this. But after watching him against the Rams, that's who he is. And again, I'm not building my team around someone like that because I don't think he has a lot of years in the league. Jalen Hurts is not going to play at that level like that for 10 years. Let's be clear. He's not. That's not sustainable. That's not. So what I think you do is if he wins you a Super Bowl in the next five years, it was totally worth it. Sills, at my business, I just bought a power booster and Wi-Fi. Don't go outside. Bear, thank you. Jalen Hurts will not play 10-plus years. Name me a dual-threat quarterback that played 10 years like Michael Vick, Cam Newton. Um, Cam's just bigger. Who are those type of dual-threat guys? Steve Young didn't play a lot of years because he backed up Montana and played in Tampa. You know, you see 17 years with Montana or with Young. How many years did Young start? 10 and left the game with a concussion. Randall? Randall dual threat. Okay. Yeah, okay. But for the era, he didn't win anything. I don't even think he got, did he get to an NFC title game even? McNabb was not running at the end of his career. They were, he was not running. Dude, dual threat quarterbacks like Vic. What did Michael, 
Hey, Michael Vick, maybe one of the most gifted players in the history of the NFL. Okay? One of the most gifted players in the NFL. He did go to the NFC Championship game. That's right. He got beat by Atlanta in Minnesota. Okay? Troy Aikman is not a dual-thread quarterback. I'm talking about a dual-thread guy. First for everything, Silzoni, Fazul. Okay, prove it to me. I don't believe he will. That's not sustainable. Let's see. He's at 55 carries now. Last year, he was on pace for 200 carries. So he's averaging, what, 10 carries a game right now? So his numbers would be down if he plays 17. And I think those numbers are going to continue to go up because they're going to want him to do what he did against the Rams. He's on pace, in my opinion. I guarantee you, if he plays 17 games, he's going to land around 200 carries. Last year, it was 168. Right now, he's at 55 after five games, 10 carries a game. Last week was 17 carries. I think that number's going to go up. He's on pace for 187 carries. He's going to be a 200-carry guy this year. So you're going to have a quarterback carry the ball 200 times. And for 2,000 carries over 10 years, and you think that's sustainable. Okay? You think that's sustainable. Look at Quan trying to throw Frank, Fran Tarkington. He scrambled in the pocket, not upfield. When Tarkington left, he left as the all-time leading passer in pro football history with 47,000-plus passing yards. He was a pure passer down the field. He scrambled in the pocket behind the line of scrimmage. He wasn't trying to gain a ton of yards. Okay? He wasn't. Your quarterback is on pace for almost as many carries as DeAndre Swift. That's not sustainable. That's why, again, wait a minute. We're getting off the topic here where I'm at. That's not how I'm building my team. I can't build my team around that. I want someone like Purdy. I want someone that can run my offense efficiently, be good on third down, and win from the pocket. I don't want my guy in open space. That's not how I'm going to win. Sills, Jalen will play 10-plus years, mark it down. Well, yeah, we'll see. He hasn't played a full season yet in his career. How are you saying that when he's never played a full season? How are you saying that? I don't have a script, dude. I have I have notes. Okay? I don't I don't have scripts. A script? What do you think I'm Jim Rome? Jim Rome has a script. I've seen it so Tony Bruno and I have seen it. Okay? So Let's see if Purdy's success continues next year. Well, he hasn't lost a game yet. And he's playing the best football of any quarterback in the league right now. 
Okay? That style of play, that's why I'm not building my team around it. But the Eagles have, okay? That's what he that's who you are now. And you're winning. You're winning. Okay? So that's why we when someone goes like this, oh Sills, you're on board. No, I'm never on board building my team around a quarterback like that. Or or the guy in Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. I'm not building my team around them guys. They always get hurt. They never finish seasons. They're banged up by the end of the year. They just, it's its a standard MO. All those guys are always banged up. You don't think by the end of the year that Jalen Hurts will be tenderized with 200 carries. And you think he's going to be in good shape when he gets to the end of the season. And if he plays 17 games, with 200 carries, you think he's going to be in good shape. Like Phil said, by the time you get to the end of the year, you're pretty beat up. So here, get this. Along with those carries, Hertz is on pace for 587 passing attempts. That's by far more than anything he's ever done. That's a ton of offense he's accounting for. I hope he makes it for the whole season. I'm going to say he's going to be a 200-carry guy. So this guy's going to take 587 reps. Excuse me. He's going to take 787 reps. 587 in the passing game, which he's been sacked and hit more this year, and he's going to have 200 carries. And you think that guy is going to last 10 years. We'll see. I don't believe that. I do not believe that. And nor do you. Hasn't played a full season yet. Okay? So, Twiz brings a point up. Burrow got hurt in the pocket. So, let me ask you this. One more time. Do you think the law averages... Just by the fact the 587 in passing attempts added on 200 carries, is there more of a higher probability that Jalen Hurts will sustain a leg injury or some type of other injury just because you're adding on more contact? Yes or no? Watch all the idiots in here. You're telling me that 200 additional carries doesn't increase the probability of being injured. Quan says no. One thing you'll never have to accuse Quan of being is smart. Seven hundred and eighty-seven. This is why this, and this is why I say this. And I'm with you too on this one here, Tone. Look at Anthony Richardson. He can't even make it week to week. He can't even make it week to week. But he'll play 10 years. Okay. Run this guy as much as you can and win as many games as you can because it won't last. So wait a minute. You know why Cam Newton was beat up towards the end of every season, towards the end of his career? 
where he couldn't even raise his arms. Why do you think? Because of the punishment he took. And that's a 6'6 guy and an MVP. Okay. Quan's giving out um, IQ tests now saying that Anthony Richardson is not a smart guy. Another excuse for a guy who hasn't played a full season himself. Wake me up when Jalen plays all 17. Before you can say that, doesn't he have to play 17? Hey, I don't believe that Michael Vick played a full 16-game season in his entire career. I may be wrong, but I don't think he started 16 ball games in his career. I, I could be wrong. Okay. Scott goes, Purdy hasn't played 17. I didn't say anything about that. I said style of play, guy. I want to win from the pocket. The more my quarterback is out in the perimeter, there's a higher probability of injury. And yes, a quarterback can get hurt in the pocket. Sure. But why should I increase that probability by running him 200 times a year? It's not this old thing. Again, I wasn't going here, but I'm saying you got to run more. I wasn't going here. Vic did once. He played 15 games three times in his career. Probably they could have pulled him at the end of the year too, Tone, depending on like where they were in the playoff run. So that could be a mis that could be a misleading number as well, um, on that whole thing too as as well here. Jalen has an old line. Andrew Luck didn't. Okay. Yes, that could be. That could be. Okay. But again, when you're running a guy two hundred times a year. Do you not believe the higher probability of some type of shoulder injury is more feasible than just having a guy throw the ball 587 times? So get this. There is 787 opportunities to hurt Hurts versus 500 or 400 for some of the other quarterbacks. I'm not going to debate this with anybody. That guy will not play 10 years at that level that he's at now. He will not. It's not sustainable. I've said that from day one, and I will not bend on that. So you've built your team around what you have now, and it's working. And he's good. The same way Baltimore has built it around him. He's good. Okay, that's what you are. If you're shaped like a Slim Jim, then yes. I don't think that Cam Newton was a Slim Jim. He'll play 15 years. Yeah, he'll play 15 years potentially, like Vic did. Backup roles later, banged up all the time. Okay? Again, Cody, nobody's hoping or wishing or anything. It's just not a sustainable way of playing football at that position. 
when you add additional 200 carries. It's just not. Michael Vick played 13 NFL seasons in 2006 was the only year he played a full season. Okay. Jalen Hurts is going into his third year, and we'll see if he completes one his first one. Okay. Is Purdy, Purdy is uh, sustainable? Brock Purdy is undefeated. Yeah, he looks. He's a leading passer in the league right now. Okay. Sills, aren't you tired of saying no? Because I'm not wrong on this already. He hasn't played a full year yet. You have no, you have no facts. I'm going by who he is. What, do you think his health is going to get better as he gets older? What, what, you have no facts. Okay, let's, let's move on a little bit here. okay man run that horse just like they run them thoroughbreds run them then they get put out the pasture you get to go to a nice farm you get to make little horsies and it's all good don't worry about it hey if Jalen Hurts wins a Super Bowl in the next five years and he gets hurt in year seven it's totally worth it okay Hey, look at Sue. What stats are that he hasn't played a full season yet? What stat is that? A health stat? Yeah, you think he plays 15 years? Okay. With 200 additional carries. Yes, sir, baby. Yeah, I like that. Bronze medal Brock, silver medal Hurts, and gold medal Mahomes. Hey, the Olympic theme is in my ear. Purdy and Hurts, bronze medalist and silver medalist. Hey, you're on the podium. I like it. You guys are on the podium. Chargers will be getting Austin Eckler back for the Cowboy game. Things over. Cowboys have let me let's look at this. Not a chance. Not a chance. Week six, NFL. Get your little feelings. I know some of you get your little feelings hurt. It's okay. Here, you know, I mean. <laughs> Sorry here a little bit here. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Denver at KC. Get your Tyler Swift and your Swifties ready for Thursday night football. Holy cow. The Denver Broncos. Hey, this is what you got. Hey, hey, Tone, this is what you got going on on Thursday night football. You ready for this one? You got Mr. Sierra 
versus Mr. Pfizer um, and Patrick Mahomes Thursday night. What an incredible game. Offensive tackle Collins is working out for the Jets and Giants today. Yeah, of course they are. <laughs> well, why would you want to play? <laughs> why would you want to play in New York? So you got Mr. Pfizer and Mr. Sierra and the Swifties playing Thursday night football. Denver versus Kansas City. Holy shit. Andy Reid. I think he's going for um the win to pass Landry. Is that right? Okay. Right? What a dog game. Baltimore, Tennessee. Dude, Lamar, you got to, I mean, come on now. I'm a big fan of yours. Let's go here. Now, Minnesota. So Justin Jefferson's on the IR. If they get beat by Chicago, in your Chicago, do you move Kirk Cousins before the trading deadline? Do you move him before the trading deadline? Denver loses, man. Judy's going to be moved. To play in today's NFL, you have to be suitable dual threat. I do understand your point, Sills. Steve-O, as long as they keep a good old line in front of him and a and a good back, they'll they'll keep him upright. They'll keep him upright. Of all the guys I've seen play the position, he probably does have the best chance to play 10-plus solid years. He, he probably does, but I haven't seen it yet. Seattle at Cincinnati. What a football game. Cincinnati season, I think, is on the brink for this game, and Seattle will tell us a little bit more who they are. I mean... If you're the Vikings, would you move Cousins? If Chicago beats him? Move into a direction where you can get Caleb Williams? Right? Denver can't take Caleb Williams. Do you understand that Russell Wilson's contract kicks in next year? Like, where would you move Cousins to? Tampa? The Jets? You got Rodgers back next year. Atlanta? Carolina? Pittsburgh? Hey, how about Cousins in Pittsburgh? But Cousins in Pittsburgh, King, moving them back to Washington. I like that Washington thing. Nicholas Morrow's currently ranked number five in linebacker rankings, according to Pro Football Focus. Also, the Eagles have opened Nicobe Dean's 21-day practice window. I swear, if Morrow gets benched, I'm going to lose it. I guarantee you that Nicobe Dean is going to be the starting linebacker this week against the Jets. You watch. 
how he strikes again. You watch. Nicholas Morrow is ranked fifth in what Tone is saying. I gonna hey, you watch. They're gonna put this guy back in there because that's how he's boy. He drafted him. All of his draft choices are his boys. Lane. All these guys. Right? All these guys, man. Yes, sir. Holy, uh, hard to sit them. This is one a general manager again. Like I told Angelo earlier. He signed Murrow. He didn't draft him. And he didn't give him any signing bonus money. He actually cut him. You remember that, Yale. They cut him. Brought him back, put him on the practice squad. He worked his way up from the waiver wire twice. The Bears cut him. The Eagles cut him. He went to a practice squad. Now he's ranked fifth. And how he's going to sit his ass. Yes, sir. Whew. Eh. That's a rough one. Tone's in there seething right now. Now he's back mad at Sills. Sills, if you're right, I'm going to kill you, man. <laughs> if you're right, I'm going to kill you, man. Hey, I think Zach Cunningham has played well. I don't think, hey, I don't think you could take any one of those linebackers out right now. They're getting better. They're getting better as a duo. Okay. Yes, sir, boy. I'm not moving them guys out of there. If the Kobe team touches the damn grass, it will validate everything you say about Sirianni and Howie. Here's what I think happens, honestly. I think that those two guys will start, but here's what's happened. And the only thing that Nicholas Morrow and Zach Cunningham have done is paused Nagobi going back in. Dean's going back in as a starter eventually. As soon as one of these guys play, start to start to go back. But personally, I think this is a great way to matriculate Nicobe Dean into the defense. Let him get some playing time. Let him get into situations where it would be convenient for him to be a winner, winner in a winning moment. Take him in, put him in, let him see the game, let him play. You don't have to force feed this guy. Okay, you just don't. Don't you don't have to force feed him. But I do think he'll get in. I think he's probably going to get in this game against the Jets. But start? Hey, how about this? Let me let me let me say this before I move on here. Is it is it beneath Howie to start Nicobe Dean on Sunday? Tone, you too. Is it is it beneath Howie to start him Sunday? Yes or no? I I think I think they could I think he could he could make the call to start him. He could. It's par for the course. Oh, God. Howie Roseman got you to the Super Bowl and cost you the Super Bowl. Just remember that take. 
And you know what I mean. <laughs> it's one thing to get to the game. It's another thing to win the game. He got you to the game. And then he cost you the game. Inferior coaches. Coaches with different agendas. They're worried about getting their next gig. Steichen wasn't bad. Steichen's proved. Actually, Gannon's not. But Gannon wasn't focused on you. That's a hiring thing. How he got you there. Once you got there, it cost you it. It's all right. This San Francisco and Cleveland game is going to be interesting. At Cleveland, San Francisco comes off an emotional game. Could that be kind of a game where you go, eh? Carolina, Miami. Miami might put 60 on them. India, Jacksonville. Woo! Doug Peterson versus Shane Steichen and the amazing Indianapolis Colts. That'll be interesting. Who are these Jags? New Orleans at Houston. Hey, I used to do this. Houston? He'll only get hurt again. Um, I used to think this Houston team, I don't know. Now, they're not bad. New England versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Belichick goes one and six. Good night. Are they going to be screaming for his ass? Wow. Arizona at the Rams. Rams win this game. Get back to three and three, I think. Detroit at Tampa. Let's see how Detroit handles Tampa. That'll be an interesting. It's down in Tampa St. Pete. The Giants have to go to Buffalo. Come on, Buffalo. Let's kick this thing into high gear here. Where are we? And here, here's this one. Monday night, Dallas at the Chargers. I don't know. And they get Austin Eckler back? I don't know. <laughs> hey, I don't know. Okay? I don't know. Dallas is still talking about how they're as good as the Niners. And they just got killed. <laughs> I, I'm not so sure about Dallas's mindset right now. <laughs> Fun fact, Eagles lost the Super Bowl 38-35. Well, at least you're not losing games 42 to 10. And you're not killed. I mean, the Eagles walk away going, I make two more plays, we win. The the Cowboys have to say this. Why did I get off the bus? But why did I get off the bus? All right. Hit the like button. We'll reset here a little bit. Keep it here on the National Football Show. 
Allen Hooters, the perfect pair. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. show on Sundays. Kayla Santiago will be on with us along with Seth Joyner and the segment with our good friend Tone. Tone, knocking it out of the park the first couple days of the week, huh? About that, man. Look at the greatness of Tone right now, too, man. Wedged in between Angelo Cataldi and Phil Sims today. Chris Sims promised you Chris Sims Thursday You guys will get your opportunity. You will get your opportunity. Recap. I want to hit this thing here because I don't think I spent a, I don't think I spent enough time. You know, you know what? Yeah. Last week, I just wanted to get used to the four hours, you know, and that's why we kind of like started bringing the guests back in. There's a chance ice cube could join us on Friday. I'm working on ice cube just to get him on. Haven't caught up with him in a bit. So, you know, everyone, Rock, Ice Cube, Phil, Boomer, Angelo, Tone, <laughs> all of them, all come on the Big sales Show. Absolutely, man. Now you doing? Look at Tone with all the like fans now. Sue loves Tone. Hey, Big sales plugged in. Hey, Joey, 
it's funny, you know, I was talking to Tone about this before, but I think it's just because I'm old. <laughs> um, okay. I think it's just because I'm old that, uh, you know, that, that how do you know this guy? How do you know, like Method Man? I don't, I go, I don't, I, he lives in Miami. I ran into him a couple times. How do you know Chuck D? I talk to Chuck a lot, man. Can you win honkers? I mean, Hooters twice. Man, I see that. Don't be greedy. Here's Tone. You're only as old as you feel. Come on, man. Don't give me that. You know me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm 60 years old going on 19. Does, do I look like I'm mature? Are you crazy? Do I, do I seem mature to you? Even my wife says it. Jesus Christ, man. You're going on 100 and you're still like a kid. It's crazy. Okay? Something about needing too much validation. <laughs> Just shows you what kind of man you are, says Quan. Just shows you what kind of person you are. You need. I don't need validation, guy. I've been doing it for 34 years. Come on, man. You don't have to really toot your own horn, do you? I like doing it. You don't like it? Tough shit. I don't care. I, I like doing it. But why do you have to do it? Because why? You get some of the biggest names in the history of sports and entertainment on? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so let me get this right. In the last couple of weeks, we've had the rock. Hey, Tone, you and me actually have had the rock boomer. Ice cubes coming on Friday. Yeah. She'll still should be a judge on American Idol. Hey, I don't know. That's not something I well, the money's great. It's 17 million bucks. You know, I would take the money. Big thank you, brother. All good, man. Sills is lost. Yes. Oh, yes, Mara. I've been lost out to sea for so many years now. Ah! <laughs> oh, look at Tone. Holy cow. Hang on here. See you, Philly guys and gals. You hold people's feet to the fire. Look at Twiz. Okay, Big Muff. Where's Ed Reed? Scott goes, you didn't have Rock on the show. You must have missed that one because we did. Yeah, we did. The Rock was on the big sell show. It was just an exclusive conversation because I didn't want him to see any tool bags and we cut it. Hey, Tone, how cool was that though? When he asked how my daughter was doing and I didn't even know he knew I had a daughter. He's like, how's your daughter doing, dude? Twiz got me good, man. I got to get Ed on now. Now I've been called on the car. Do you, hey, hey. Hey, Twiz, Pete goes like this. The Rock was on here. Of course he was. 
Absolutely. Of course he was. Why the rock? You mean the rock was on here? There he is. Scott. Scott, that's on the show. Oh. <laughs> hey, Tone, look at that, man. These people are just greedy. After the show, he was on with Big Sills. Not with you. With me. Okay? Stop man crushing over the rock. No, no, no. He man crushes over me. Okay? Read his tweets. Brian Dawkins? I haven't promised Brian Dawkins. Um, I've had on... Brian Westbrook. I've never said about... I don't really know him. When the food is as good as we make it, the people will always be starving for more. I want them that way, though. But Twiz got me. Okay? Twiz got me, man. I got to get Ed Reed on now. All right. Kayla Santiago tomorrow. Seth Joyner. By the way, I'll be on the Seth Joyner show. Someone asked the time. If I'm not mistaken, I think that bad puppy airs at 8 o'clock Eastern. And we will be on with Seth. You know what? Hey, hey. Hey, Tony, you know what he said? Sills, I'll I'll come on. But you have to come on my show tonight. And I'm like, e-e-e-e. he goes, oh, I see. You don't want to go on anybody else's show, but you, I, you know, I, all right, all right, all right. I'll be there. All right. He goes, hey, no, look, don't do me any favors. And I'm going, no, I'm not. He goes, hey, just let me know. I'm like, no, 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 Seth. I want you on. All right. All right. I like you too, Maniac. All good. So, hey, Xander, Big Joe, thank you very much. All of you Maniacs, I totally appreciate it. Angelo Cataldi, Tone, spectacular stuff as always, my friend. Phil Sims, you can go back and watch any one of the interviews today. We so appreciate it. Thank you very much. Tomorrow, 2 to 6, we shall see you on the flip side. and Hooters, the perfect pair. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.